Want a fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL? Then you've picked the right place. Jim Derry has plenty of datitude, and he's ready to tell you the way it is. Well, the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends across the country who have served this wonderful nation. As we go into Veterans Day tomorrow, I sincerely thank all of you who have served, including my dad who was in the Army and went to Vietnam before I was born and made it home so all of you could hear me talk about the Houdat Nation and LSU and the Pelicans and college football playoffs and today prep football playoffs. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer for The Advocate, The Times-Picune, and bet.nola.com. And we have a super long show today. I, I didn't intend for the Wednesday show to be two hours long, but that's what it turned into. Um, so, uh, look, I'll tell you now, if you want to skip around, we're going to start off, uh, our first guest is going to be Amy Justin, just about five minutes, talking about the Saints, and obviously the news of the day, and maybe even by the time you listen to this podcast, Odell Beckham Jr. will have signed with a NFL team. He is a free agent after clearing waivers on Tuesday, and, um, there's a good chance that he'll sign today um, and get with the team. And the word is this morning, as reported by ESPN, uh, that he will sign with either the Kansas City Chiefs, the Green Bay Packers, or the New Orleans Saints. And um, as a New Orleans native and Newman and LSU alum, um, does that make the Saints the favorite? Who knows? One thing's for sure, if he does sign with the Saints, he'd be the number one receiver right off the bat. So <clears throat> if you're looking for... A favorite, I don't necessarily know if the Saints are the favorite or not, but if he wants to be a number one receiver, then he's going to come to New Orleans, right? The problem is he doesn't know who's going to be throwing him the football. I don't think anyone knows. Um, and I don't even know that Sean Payton knows at this point in time. I mean, you got to think that Taysom's the leader in the clubhouse, although Amy Just, I think, disagrees with me, and we'll talk about that with her in just a minute. But I think going forward, at least in the long term, when you talk about long term, I'm only talking about the rest of this season. Uh, nothing against Travis Simeon because I think he played as well as he could play in the six quarters or so that he's played, six and a half quarters. But I think if you want to be a playoff team, and again, Sean Payton knows this better than, than I do, but I think you have to agree that if, if you're talking about long term, unless you sign some free agent off the street, which I don't think is going to happen at this point because, let's face it, the Saints have a brutal schedule coming up. If they were going to play teams that I think they could beat with almost anyone, then maybe you would think about a free agent quarterback. But who's going to come in and learn this system and be able to play before December? No one. I think that, that, that ship has sailed. We'll see. Um, but I think it's got to be Taysom Hill. Whether it's this Sunday or whether it's against Philadelphia in the following week, I think Taysom Hill is going to be the starting quarterback of this team. And I just don't know when. Um, but I've been wrong before. I've been surprised before. But if you're talking about OBJ, 
he's going to want to know the answer to that, right? I mean, if you're talking about where you're going to go and you want to know who your quarterback is, I think that's going to matter to him, obviously. I mean, the reason why he left Cleveland in the first place is because he didn't see eye-to-eye with his, with his quarterback, Baker Mayfield. So, and maybe there's more into that situation than, than any of us know, but I think that's obviously got to be number one on the top of the list. So, there's a good chance that we'll know the answer to that question by the end of today as we record this. Episode number 21 here on Wednesday, November the 10th, 2021. Blackjack. That's where we're at. It's the Blackjack episode of Datitude. 21 episodes. It's hard to believe. It seems like I just started this yesterday and kind of did in a way with Standard right back uh, in September. But uh, we thank you for being a part of the ride as we go along. And, um, you know, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about it today. I'll probably talk more about it Friday with <clears throat> my idiot friends, uh, Conductor Dave and Uncle Big Nick coming on Friday to do our weekly picks. And, uh, you know, another mixed bag with the picks. Good Lord. I was great against Conductor Dave and terrible against Uncle Big Nick, although I did get my five-star pick right. I'm 4-0 with my five-star pick with Uncle Big Nick. So if you've taken my best bet of the week, every week you have made money. Um, Uncle Big Nick, not so hot. So he's got to pick it up. He said he swears he's going to pick it up this week. We'll wait and see. That'll be Friday. But the other news of the day yesterday was the college football playoff pairings. Uh, not pairings, but the rankings. And um, <clears throat> does it really matter? I mean, it's Georgia and everyone else, right? I mean, LSU plays Alabama uh, and gives them the scare of their lives. This is why these things don't matter. I mean, Alabama looked terrible in the grand scheme of things. And when I say terrible, I mean if top top five team terrible. I mean, they're not... They didn't look terrible as far as if you compare them to some of the other teams. But when an LSU, depleted LSU team holds you to six yards rushing, and I'll actually talk about this a little bit with Ed Daniels coming up. By the way, that's our guest today, Amy Just, Ed Daniels of WGNO, a long segment with him. And I love it. I mean, I love to talk to Ed. I really do. I don't get to talk to him all that much. But when we do talk, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I mean... Ed Daniels has been in this business in the New Orleans sports scene for coming up on 40 years. Um, he was doing it when I was in high school. And that was a long time ago. So, uh, and he's, we talk about his Friday night football show, uh, which has been going on. This is their 30th season with Coach JT. And he talks about how they wanted to start that in the 80s. Uh, good conversation there. We talk about the, the upcoming prep football playoff pairings and uh, who who are the, some of the the best teams that uh, who are the, some of the great matchups this weekend in the first round. First round's always fun. First two rounds are always really fun to me. And then you get into the marquee matchups when you get to about the quarterfinals. Um, and Division One is loaded. Jesuit is the two seed. We haven't talked a lot about prep football this year on this show. And uh, because I'm just not, I'm not sure how many people are into the scene, but look, when you get in the playoffs, it's, it's one of the top stories around here. And I know people just want to talk about Saints, but look, you've got to, if, if you're just a casual fan of prep football, now's the time. Okay. Uh, there are some intriguing storylines. 
uh, John Curtis, which is obviously always a championship contender. They're a seven seed in Division One. There are only eleven seeds in Division One, and the favorite is probably Brother Martin. Obviously, uh, they had to forfeit some games, and they are the lowest seed in Division One. <clears throat> Excuse me, at at eleven, and they've got to be considered the favorite. So Jesuit, poor Jesuit at number two. They've got a brutal road to the dome. Oh, excuse me, they're not going to the dome. They're going to it would play in Newman Stadium if they went into the championship. But man, we're going to talk about prep football with Ed, who also talks about LSU and the Saints. And then we're going to wrap up the show with Eric Ritchie, my um, my friend and colleague, um, and also my boss at Varsity Sports. Now, if you don't know, I have a side gig. I uh, I've been a play-by-play announcer in prep football for, I think this is my seventh or eighth year. Eighth year, I think. Yeah, uh, eighth year. So um, I love doing that, and this is my favorite time of year when it comes to that. I'll be at uh, Lake Shore and Franklin in a rematch in Class 4A, uh, first-round game. I'll be live at the Titan Coliseum with my friend and partner, Jim Rapier, this weekend. Uh, so we'll talk about what's going on at VSN. There's a big pairing. We have a playoff pairing show that we recorded on Monday night with some of the top coaches around Southeast Louisiana. Ryan Manali's on the show. Uh, Dwayne Jenkins of Lutcher. Nelson Stewart from Newman and Arch Manning. And uh, we talk about the, the Greenies potential. Division three is loaded. They've got a tough first round. Uh, well, they don't play in the first round. They got to buy. But quarterfinals, their matchup with Episcopal. We talk about that. If they win that, they're, they're going to have to pay, play Lafayette Christian Academy, who's been the, the top dog. They're Division Three. They're about to move up to Division II. Um, we talk about Ponchatoula and Hank Tierney and his chances of winning his 300th game. That's all coming up on the Datitude podcast here in just a moment. So, again, a loaded show. And you guys don't want to hear me talk. You want to hear our guest. And our first guest is someone who knows – a lot about what's going on with the Saints. She was on a phone, uh, a conference call with Sean Payton this morning. Um, of course, he didn't divulge um, who might be the quarterback this weekend. He's going to keep that as close to the vest as possible. Saints playing the Tennessee Titans on the road this weekend, uh, Sunday. Titans coming off a huge victory against the Los Angeles Rams, one that no one thought that they could win, except maybe in Nashville. Um, well, not no one. I mean, I... I predicted them against the spread, and I, even though I picked the Rams, I thought they had a good chance to win. So, very good team, a Super Bowl caliber type team, and you know what? The Saints are usually ready. So, I think the Saints, as I wrote my NFL picks column this morning, you can check that out on bet.nola.com. Um, I have been as mediocre as mediocre could be. 66 and 66 against the spread. Um, other than one bad week, I've been pretty much at or above 500 most of the year. But it's like one game above. I think last week I was 7-6. and six, So we're going to turn that around. This is the time of year I usually get hot. So let's see. I really And I told a friend of mine this morning, I told Uncle Big Nick this morning, I said I really like my picks this week, which means I'll probably go 5-9. and nine. But uh, I really do. I, I, I did a lot of research yesterday, went through, um, and uh, I tell you, it's an interesting week. We had upset Sunday last Sunday. Um, I don't think we're going to have that this week. I think there's going to be, you, you, of course, you'll have one or two. 
But I don't think any of the the big numbers like last week, Buffalo losing to Jacksonville. You have three double digit favorites uh, this weekend, and you have a couple that are at nine or nine and a half. I don't think any of those teams are going to lose this week. Not straight up. I mean, you, a couple of might lose against the spread, but um, I just don't see that. I don't see another bloody Sunday. I guess so. We'll get into all that later. Again, we're going to get into the picks on Friday with 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 my my usual suspects. But I but let's get right into the conversation with Amy Justin. After Amy, we'll have Ed Daniels. Uh, long interview again him, with him, but certainly worth the listen. And then we'll wrap it up with Eric Ritchie. Let's get into the interviews. Our own Amy Just here on the Datitude podcast and. Amy, it's been uh, quite a few weeks for you. <laughs> Talk about that. I mean, where do you want me to start? Do you want me to start at the beginning of the season when I lived out of a hotel for, you know, four weeks because of Hurricane Ida? Like, I yeah, mean, my, this season has, my first, has been um, wild. My first uh, couple of weeks at bet.nola.com were, um, well, my first week was, I worked out of a Marriott in Panama City. Uh, I did my first show from outside of uh, a hotel in Panama City. So you know, it is what it is. We 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 say that seems like forever ago and yesterday all at the same time. Oh, for sure. Like the uh, the moldy mattress on the on my corner was just picked up the other week, and it was out there before Ida. So. I stopped keeping track of how long it had been there, but yeah, no. So that is that has been my reminder that this hasn't been too long, but also it feels like a million years old at once. Um, and I think I say I bring up Ida just because that's how we started this season. It started off super wild, and it has just continued to be that way um, in other ways. Right? I've been at home now for several weeks, but it just. The hits keep coming, and uh, the good and the bad, and um, yeah, it's it's been a wild ride, and it will continue to be. The question is: Was the moldy mattress picked up by garbage men, or was it picked up by someone that needed a moldy mattress? I don't know. I want to hope that it was picked up by the city, but oh my god, it was disgusting. Uh, um, so disgusting. And um, yeah, no, like my trash didn't get picked up for like six weeks, and my recycling didn't get picked up. I think the trash took it because it was starting to smell pretty bad um, oh my god. after eight weeks. So um, happy to live in a city where um, things are sort of back to a gross normal, I guess. A gross normal. That is a great way to put it. We are back to a gross normal. We will have Mardi Gras in a few months, and uh, we'll be even grosser than we are now, and we'll all love it, right? Oh, for sure. I can't wait. All right, let's talk about the New Orleans Saints. And, um, you know, news this morning, I know you just talked to Sean Payton, but uh, the, the news this morning is, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., a Newman alum and LSU alum, and uh, you know, uh, obviously a New Orleans native. He has narrowed his search, according to ESPN, down to three teams: the Kansas City Chiefs, the Green Bay Packers, and the New Orleans Saints. Do you think the Saints have a legitimate chance to to land Odell Beckham? I think so. I think number one, New Orleans has the appeal of home that those other places don't. Um, and that's not a metric you can measure, right? 
you can't measure how much, you know, you want to go and have dinner with your mom, right? Like you right. can't, you can't measure that. But for the, the metrics that we can measure, the one thing that it, um, the other teams have is, you know, a, a quarterback. Um, no hate to Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill or even Ian Book, but they're not Jameis, and, and, and that's okay, right? But, you know, the, he wants to play with a contending team. The Saints, as of this week, if the season had ended, they would have been a wild card. Um, and but he would be the number one receiver here. You know, and people are quick to jump down my throat about, oh, but Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas, he's done for this season. We're only talking about this season. We're not talking about 2022. We're talking about right now. And I think that this would be the best place for him if that's what he wants. If he wants to be the number one guy, if he wants to, you know, do some image rehabilitation, this would be a place to do it. Learning from Sean Payton, I think, wouldn't hurt. Um, I think that, you know, OBJ holds Sean Payton in high regard. I mean, way, way back when, you know, he was coming out of LSU, he said he wanted to play here. So, obviously, things change. But, you know, I think this would be a good fit for him. I think the locker room the Saints have, it's a good culture, and they will uh, be able to – kind of help him not be the guy that has been seen in headlines in New York and Cleveland. So, but yeah, he's got a tough decision to make and I don't think any one of them is the wrong answer for him. It just has to be what he, what he wants out of his next spot. Not only could he step in and be the number one receiver now, but I mean, I, I, I truly believe that Michael Thomas has played his last down as a New Orleans Saint whether that happens and whether things change over the course of the next, I don't know, six months or so, we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but there's a real chance that OBJ could become the face of this receiver franchise. And, you know, who knows, who knows who's going to be quarterback next year um, going into next year. So, I mean, he could get a, a head start running and, yeah, I mean, he has to d- decide because he's uh, clearly not going to be the number one receiver in Kansas City or in Green Bay uh, with Devontae Adams. And um, you talk about the, the receiver situation at Kansas City. Kansas City's kind of a mess as it is anyway. So Tyreek Hill. And I mean, you know, who who knows? I mean, maybe that is intriguing to him. Obviously, it's important for him to get as many targets as possible, but he clearly would step in and be the number one target here for whoever is the quarterback. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know if I'm quite there yet with Michael Thomas, but it that train certainly appears to be heading in that direction. Um and you just think it hasn't been that long since he was on top of the world. It's like scary. that's scary actually. How it it is scary just I mean just looking at his career how quickly things can change. And it's, I am, when I'm sitting here thinking about that, I'm lost for words because, you know, he breaks, you know, the single season record for receptions. He leads the league in uh, receiving yards. And then he gets hurt in the next regular season game for that next season. And he hasn't been the same since. 
You know what's and, weird about Mike Thomas, Amy? I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's okay. you're talking about a receiver who, I mean, just a year and a half ago, we were talking about this guy looks like a surefire Hall of Fame. I mean, he yeah. was on the track of like Calvin Johnson type type thing. Yeah. And it goes from that to, I mean, what's going to happen next for Mike Thomas? I don't think any of us know in just, just a short period of time. Yeah, it's, you know, it, that speaks to the human experience, right? Like, it doesn't take much to knock you down. One teammate rolling up on your ankle and you're done for two years. It just, it's wild to think about. I wish he would have maybe, well, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know his personal situation. So maybe, you know, who knows? I'm not, I, I shouldn't be speaking for him, but I just, I just think there's different ways he could have handled it. Um, had he listened to the team personnel. And I think that's why he may have paid, played his last down for the saints. I think, you know, when your bosses tell you that and the people that know what they're talking about, and I'm not talking about Sean Payton necessarily, but I'm sure the medical personnel tell you the best thing for you is to get this surgery and let's, you know, let's, let's get started. And, and you think it's better not to, and you wait, and then it basically costs you an entire year. Um, that just doesn't bode well. And I cannot see, and again, I know you're in a tough situa- situation, so I'm not necessarily asking you to, to tell me what you think, but he's in a tough situation to where now he's put himself to where he's at odds against the team. And I don't know that those differences are ever going to be resolved when you talk about wasting a year and how much they're paying this guy. Um, it's just, I don't know that those fences can be mended just like OBJ's fences with the Browns and Baker Mayfield and all the things going on there couldn't be mended. So, I mean, you know, when feelings get hurt in the NFL, they're not always easy to be resolved very quickly. Yeah, I'm not going to speak to all of that, but I will say that the setback that Michael Thomas sustained, according to Sean Payton, was a surgical-related one. So you think, okay, well, maybe he has sur- – let's say he gets surgery in February or whatever. If the same thing were to have happened – he would have needed surgery again, probably, because Sean yeah. Payton said he's probably going to need another surgery to fix it. He could he could have still very much missed half the season, even if he did everything right. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, no, regardless of the timing of this, had it happened the same way, he still would have missed a considerable amount of time just based on what Sean Payton said. Um, that is what I will say about that, though. Not to defend either side, but to paint a clearer picture as to what happened. Well, it's easy for old fat guys like me to sit here behind a microphone and, and say he should have done this or he should have done that. Only, of course, Michael, of course. only Michael Thomas knows his body. So, you know, he did, I'm sure he did the best, what he thought was best for him. But uh, it, it doesn't look good. And I, and I just, again, I, I think it's going to be tough for these two teams to, these two sides, not teams, these two sides to, see eye to eye in the long run. I hope he wants to be here and I hope he picks up where he left off two years ago, but I just think that's going to be a hard thing to do here in New Orleans. Let's talk about Sean Payton and his press conference this morning. Did he shed any light on who the potential starting quarterback will be this week? First off. Mm, no, Sean doesn't. Shocker. divulge that situation. <laughs> um, 
And it's gotten to the point where we don't really ask anymore because it's only going to make him mad and he's going to end the oh, press I've been there. And the press conference. So, so last week, but he does really, he does have a decision to make this week. Last week, his hand was kind of forced because Taysom didn't clear concussion protocol until midway through the week. You can't, like, no, you can't have Taysom be the starter if he's still in concussion protocol. Like, that's just, that isn't going to work that way. So we, yeah, we won't know um, until Friday, probably, if that. Um, but, yeah, no, Sean doesn't want to talk about any of that. Um and we'll see, but with Taysom completely out of the concussion protocol, played in a game last week, he's got a decision to make, and I don't know what the right decision is. As a beat reporter who has been watching this team every day for the past whoever knows how long, again, it seems like forever and yesterday all at the same time, mm-hmm. who do you think is the leader in the clubhouse? Because I know who I think is the leader in the clubhouse, but you, you tell me. If you if you were a gambling person, and I don't know whether you are or not, obviously I am I'm a sports betting writer. Um, if you had to bet on one, which one would you bet on? I would say that Trevor Simeon would get the start, but there'd be more packages for Taysom in the red zone, you know, to draw guys off sides like he did um, this past week. Um, They'll just have him more involved, kind of like he was with Jameis before, you know, Taysom got hurt. Um, I think that would be the best recipe for success here because they need playmakers on offense who aren't named Elvin Kamara. I think that's what sets you up for success the best. That's not saying that I think Trevor is a better quarterback than Taysom or Taysom is a better quarterback than Trevor. I'm just saying that that's probably the best recipe for success with this team's offense is struggling in comparison to Sean Payton coached offenses. And the interesting thing about it is Sean Payton doesn't care what anyone else thinks besides what Sean Payton thinks, which is is a good thing. Um, Because, you know, you or I can sit here and debate because I actually am on the other train. And I'm not a huge Taysom fan. I don't dislike him or or whatever. I, I think he... I think he's probably the best fit for this team going forward, at least in the near future. But you know what? There's nobody that knows the answer to that better than Sean Payton. And he has decided to make it when he gets his mindset on, but look how to me, he's turned Jameis around, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. you look at Jameis from the green Bay game to the first quarter that he played in Tampa Bay game, two completely different quarterbacks. My opinion, I know the stats don't Mm -hmm. necessarily say so, but he was on his way to turning Jameis into a top 10 quarterback, I think. So it just goes to show the genius of this man. And um, he may tick us off and we may not agree. See eye to eye at times his relationship with the media is well-documented, although he's been better lately, but uh, you know, you gotta, but if you're a fan, you just got to trust in whatever he decides to throw out there. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, He's one with Teddy. He's one with Taysom. That's right. He's one with Jameis. You know, like you've got to trust it. Um, it is it a little annoying that you don't know who it is, but yeah, but that's the game, <laughs> gamesmanship of football, right? So, you know, as annoying as it may be, that's just one of those things where you've just got to roll with it. Um, 
Well, he just likes yeah, you. Yeah, I don't having, know what the right like, answer is. He, he just likes you having 14 and 16 hour days. That's all. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but you're young. You, you can you can do all. I couldn't do that anymore. I mean, I'm I'm too Man, old. Man, just because I'm young doesn't mean I. You know, I like to sleep. I like to have like a work life balance, right? Like. Yeah, but see, the difference is on your off day, and I know you probably only get one a week, if that. But on yeah. your off day, you can probably sleep 14, 16 hours straight. I can't. When you get old like me, you can't do that anymore. Even like you say, okay, tomorrow's the day I'm going to sleep. And you wake up at 7.30 anyway, and you can't go back to sleep. So enjoy these days while you can, for sure. Well, yesterday was my off day, um, air quotes, off day, <laughs> um, because we still had to monitor all the OBJ stuff and everything that's going on there. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I made a gumbo. But, wow. you know, like that's... I'm, I'm, busy. I'm impressed. Well, because well, when you get one day off and you're not married and you don't have a partner, you have to do everything yourself. So I had to do my laundry. I had to, you know, catch up on cleaning and all of those things. So, like, I am self-reliant, and that is what I do on my off day. That's what, people don't, laundry. That's what people don't realize about beat reporters. During a football season – when and whether you're covering the Saints, whether you're covering LSU, or even really when you're covering prep football, because I've been through it, um, you whatever off day and chance you get, you got to do all those things. You might cook for a week, uh, have you know, stock whatever you're going to be able to eat, go to the grocery store, and you do it all in one day, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, all of my appointments, everything that I do, it's always for Tuesday, except when there's like a Thursday game, which they've got. Got two of them coming up here uh, once they get back home, which will mess up my schedule. But that's that's the way it goes. You'll find a day uh, to make it work. Uh, but yeah, no. Sometimes uh, you get backed up on things. You know, haven't slept in like six days or whatever because <laughs> um, you don't have the time. Yeah, that's that's always the, the that's the fun part of the gig. Before I let you go, I do want to ask you though this tough stretch of schedule that's coming up to me. This seems like make or break time, right? I mean, Absolutely. you know, the the Saints just it's it's so weird if you think about it. Ten days ago, Saints fans and Houdats and the, the the Houdat Nation was thinking, okay, here we are, we're on top of the world. We have a chance to go beat Atlanta next week and and take the division lead because they'd have a tiebreaker over Tampa Bay. Instead, they're now one not only one game behind, but you're talking about having to play Tampa Bay. I mean, Tampa Bay, Tennessee, and and Dallas, and you do have to play Tampa Bay again later, and just the stretch of games that's coming up on this schedule. I mean, we're going to know a lot more about this team uh, after that Thursday game with Dallas in just a few weeks. Yeah, so the next, I forgot about Buffalo. Yeah, the next four the next four games is at Tennessee, at Philadelphia, home on Thanksgiving against the Bills, and then home on Thursday night football against Dallas. That's a tough stretch. Those are some really good teams. Um, and Philadelphia, who they lost to last year. Um, so I genuinely have no idea how this next for this next series is going to go. But I think this series defines the season. I don't think you you couldn't you could tell me ahead of time they go four and zero, zero and four, one and three, two and two, three and one. 
I don't think any of us would be surprised at any of those outcomes. Maybe 4-0. I'd be a little surprised at 4-0. But it could happen. I don't know who this team is. I haven't known who this team is all season. They have yet to show me something consistent about their identity. So I don't know. We'll see. They they keep you on your toes for sure. Um, Absolutely. Lastly, and I and I like to ask this of all the Saints beat reporters that that have come on the show thus far, and uh, we're getting to the point now where we still don't know. But do you think this team is a is a playoff team? Uh, you can make the argument that they are. Um, they've got to get through this stretch though. At two and two or better. I agree wholeheartedly. And uh, with your time and your schedule, I appreciate um, the time of coming on here to the Datitude Podcast. Amy Just, thank you so much. Thank you. OBJ, where is he going? You know, if you would have asked me yet, even yesterday, I would have said, I don't know. I don't think the Saints are. I think I even said it Monday. I don't know if the Saints are the greatest fit for him. But you know what? I'm, I've kind of changed my opinion on that a little bit. Jeff Duncan wrote a column on don't be surprised if he comes here. I, I don't even know if it would be a surprise now. Now that he's narrowed his teams down to Kansas City, Green Bay, and the Saints, I'm not sure that the Saints aren't the best fit for him. Like I said with Amy, you go to Kansas City, Tyreek Hill's the number one receiver there, right? You go to Green Bay, Devontae Adams is clearly the, not the number one receiver, and they have Aaron Jones they like to throw to out of the backfield. A.J. Dillon plays a lot. Um, Aaron Rodgers throws the ball all over the place. So if he wants to be a top receiver and a number one guy, the Saints are clearly the best fit. I mean, and again, like I said, we don't know what's going to happen with Mike Thomas. OBJ could be the top receiver here for a while, for a long while. If he wants to come and play the rest of the year, and then they figure out how to sign him to a, a longer-term contract. I mean, he, he seriously could be the number one receiver in New Orleans for quite a few years. And, you know, receivers, they don't, they're not going to play forever. So who knows? We'll have to wait and see. We'll, we'll, have, we'll see if we find out that, that, that answer today. Maybe tomorrow. But you got to think he wants to get in wherever he's going to go. And he's not going to take long to make the decision. Let's get into the conversation with Ed Daniels. And again, we talk about, uh, we start off talking about prep. And I, I think what he's done at Friday Night Football is amazing. 30 years of, of doing any show. I mean, first off, Datitude ain't going to last 30 years. I'm 53 years old. I won't be doing this when I'm 83. So I did, just the thought of doing that every week. And he talks about JT being, I had no idea, JT is about to turn 75 years old. That is the youngest 75-year-old dude you will ever meet. It is amazing what he goes through every day. And I've got to know him fairly well over the past eight years or so, and just a wonderful person. You can have any preconceived notion you want about the Curtis football program. However you think it, you're wrong. And J.T. Curtis is one of the greatest human beings anyone could ever meet, and I love him. And uh, he's been very helpful to me throughout my career, and uh, I wish them nothing but the success going forward. Hey, 
I don't think they'll make it to 50, but maybe they'll make it to 40, right? We'll see. But uh, let's get into it and talk to Ed Daniels about the prep football playoffs, LSU, and the New Orleans Saints. Welcoming into the Datitude Podcast, Ed Daniels of WGNO and Friday Night Football is kicking into high gear. Ed, 30 seasons? Has it really been 30 seasons? It's been 30 seasons. Uh, it's pretty crazy. You know, around midnight last night when I got home, my wife and I were talking about it. And um, it's, uh, you know, but here's what happens. It's just like anything else in life. It happens day by day, right? You know, all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden, you're there. You're there. I tell people all the time, and then I'm not kidding. I go to bed on Monday night, and I wake up, and it's Sunday morning. And I would imagine, in, in, in a way, you know, you go to bed on, <laughs> you go to bed on Friday night, and it's Thursday morning. <laughs> I mean, it's just insane. Right. The older we get, how fast the time goes. Right, and you know, look. When when you when you do this for a living and you do an hour show every week, you know plus all the other things you're doing, the news and you know Saints coverage and LSU and Tulane and all the other stuff that you have to do during the week. When when you do that, you really live Friday to Friday. It's you know I I, I probably get home about one o'clock on Friday, and. Boy, before you know it, I, I wake up and it is like Wednesday, like it's Wednesday morning, and I'm thinking about all the things that I've got to do over the next couple of days, and you know it's going to be some long hours at the office. But you know what? Here's the deal: if if you don't enjoy it, then you shouldn't be doing it. And I still enjoy the heck out of it. It is so much fun, and uh, to be able to do this is really a pleasure. Talk about your camaraderie, and we've talked about this before, but I just think it's amazing, you know, how you and JT just kind of feed off each other, know what each other's thinking almost, um, you know, the the brotherhood almost that you guys have uh, and have started this from the beginning, it's, it's really kind of amazes me almost. Well, you know, it's, what's really f- interesting about it for me is that, Jim, we were talking about this in the 80s. And the show really didn't start. The show didn't start till 1992. But we were talking about it in the 80s that we were going to do something like this. And I got to be honest with you: the one thing that made it happen, as far as as from my standpoint, was I was at Channel Six and I got laid off. They went from four people to three, so I was the odd man out. So at the end of 1990, I was out of a job, and then I was freelancing at WGNO. And they said, look, we want to do another. We were doing a show called St. Sideline. And they said, look, we want to do another show. Let's do an NFL show. And I said, no. I said, let's do something that's really hyper-local. Let's do a high school football show. And the reason I said that is because I saw the success in their first year that, <coughs> excuse me, Sportsline was having at WAFB in Baton Rouge. Steve Schneider had right. launched that and I had done some freelance work for that program. So I saw how popular it was. And I said, look, Steve and his guys are having a tremendous amount of success in Baton Rouge with it. And we can do this. We can make it happen. Now, the one thing at the time was WGNO had a very, very small studio up there on the 29th floor of the World Trade Center. Our offices were on the 28th floor, but the studio was on the 29th floor. And it was not set up for live television. 
But, you know, they taped things there and did stuff like that. But it they made it work for live TV. And then JT and I got together. And, you know, we just kind of hit it off. But one of the things that I think has always uh, been in the back of his mind and always in the back of my mind was this. We had talked about doing this program in the 80s. So when we got a chance to do it in the 90s, we considered it, you know, a real opportunity. And it just and, – and when you work with somebody – Every day, you know, I mean, at least it seems like at every Friday you talk to him on the phone several times uh, during the week. It just seems like, uh, you know, we, we just experienced so much together, so many life experiences together that, um, you know, you almost it's 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 just the thing where you just develop chemistry. I mean, 30 years together. Here's what people don't know about JT Curtis that don't know him. He is one of the most personal people you'll ever meet. Well, he's always very approachable. And the one, the one thing that, that I think that people understand that know him is this. You know, I think that in a, in a very biblical stance, I, he, he lives with a servant attitude in life. He's there to help people. And there are so many people along the way that he has helped. It's pretty amazing. For instance, they played Brother Martin last week on a Saturday. And I was like, Coach, Friday night we're talking. I said, Coach, you finally have a chance to relax a little bit on a Saturday Saturday evening. Maybe go home, just take it easy. Nope. There was a, a lady that works in the office at Curtis. One of their relatives was getting married in Independence. And he was doing the wedding at 5 oh o'clock. Wow. So let's see. The game, the game ends, what, at 2.30, Jim? The game ends at 2.30. He goes home. He showers. He gets in a gets in his suit. That's amazing. Drives to Independence and does a wedding. And what a lot of people don't realize either is that he's a minister. Yeah. So on Sundays he has a church service in the gym at John Curtis every Sunday. So that's amazing. When I think about my schedule sometimes, and I want to pull my hair out. All right, I think about his schedule. Plus, the, another thing too, he's running a school. Right. He's. <laughs> I mean, he's running at, at what seventy-one years old? How old? Yeah, seventy-five years old, running so, a school. How old and, is seventy-five? Yeah, he'll be seventy-five in December. I, believe. I had yeah. no idea that he was that yeah, old. Yeah, he'll be seventy-five in December. You know, and when people say, "Well, how much longer is he going to go?" The one thing that people need to understand is that, you know, his mom who passed during COVID, his mom taught at the school until our late 80s. His dad was the headmaster of the school until he was 83 or 84. And in frustration with the LHSAA, he announced his retirement. I was there that day. He went on this big tirade about the Louisiana <laughs> Athletic Association. And it was a classic. But my, my point is this, his mom, has worked into our late 80s, and his dad worked into his mid-80s. So that's, that's I, you know, I, I, sitting around, and I've asked him about that before. So what are you going to do? And he says, that's exactly my point. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? That's funny. Yeah. I mean, but, and you know, he, I, don't, I don't know. I, at some point, I think he's going to hand the reins off to Jeff. We'll, we'll, we'll see if and when that happens. But um, 
I think you'll, I mean, you guys might be doing Friday Night Football. You might get to 50 years. There's a oh, chance. I don't know about that. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a big, that's a big time stretch. I mean, I don't know, man. You guys, uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. I'm, I'm look, I look forward to when I get home from my game, I DVR it. So I don't usually get home from my game until about, I don't know, 11 ish or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, I usually have to bang out a story, uh, these days since I'm doing different things and I'm only broadcasting now, I don't always have to write a story, but if I come home after you guys have started, I started from the beginning and I watch you guys, and uh, and then I watch Fox Football Friday. So I mean, I'm up till two a.m. watching you guys. And yeah, sure, and, you watch all the highlights, absolutely. I mean, but you, I, I don't. It's amazing to me how many how you get all these games. I mean, well, and I know you don't have a huge staff at WGNO, and I know you get a lot of help from from stringers. And I had a friend of mine, Freddie Willis, who used to work on the yeah. side and, and do some things. But um, it's amazing all the things you guys get. And I, how do you get all that stuff? Well, you know, first of all, we, we have a great staff, and those guys work really hard. And what we'll do is we'll we'll send we'll have on on Friday we'll have we'll have um, seven or eight photographers working. And so this week we'll probably have eight. So what that does is that allows you to go to three or four games that are standalone games. Like, hey, I think these are going to be the best games. These are the games that we need to go to and not leave. Because here's the, there's two philosophies, all right? There's two philosophies. You can get 25 games and just get a few snippets of each game. Or you can get half that amount or 13 or 14 games and get the entire game. So when I go to a game, I want to know the story of what happened in the game. I don't want to be in a position where I don't have to do this very often where I say, you know what, well, this team had a 21-0 lead, but the other team scored 35 points in the second half and came back and won. Sorry, we don't have the video. Right, right. You know what I mean? Especially when it's a big game, right? right? So, for instance, like on this week's card, I don't know how competitive a game it'll be, but but like Brother Martin Rummel, well, um, you want to have highlights of the of the entire game, and and I guess this week's uh, playoff card is probably not the best um, example of it. But when you have a lot of great matchups in a week, if it's week four, week five, or week six, and there's a ton of or week seven, there's a ton of rivalry games. You know, I, I think you're doing a disservice to the audience if you walk in, shoot a touchdown, and walk out. Plus, if you're doing that, then all your the people are spending all their time not at the game shooting video, but driving. That's right. That's so, right. So what we're trying to do, if we're do, if we're going to do two games together, okay, what we'll try to do, Jim, is pair St. Martin's with Joe Yenny, pair Haas Memphis with Berman. Pair um, Central Lafouche with E.D. White. Pair Hanville and West St. John. Pair St. James and West St. John because they're only 15 minutes apart. So theoretically, you're shooting the first half at one game and you're driving at halftime to get to the other game. Right. That's what, in theory, we're trying to do. And, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And here's another thing, too. 
you'll 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 get home on a on a on a Friday night and it's two o'clock in the morning and you can't sleep because there was a really good game that you didn't cover and it and it went triple overtime. That drives me crazy. But yeah, you know sure what? That only happens a couple of times a year, though. I would guess. Right, right. I know, but it, but it still it still happens, and you and you're sitting there and you're like, well, okay, am I going to beat myself up over this all night or am I going to go to sleep? And that's that's basically and that's basically what you arrive at at two o'clock in the morning. You're like, all right, tomorrow I've got to get up and do a radio show. I'm either going to Baton Rouge or I'm going to Tulane or I'm going to a high school game. So I'm going to either beat myself up or go to sleep. And I usually eventually go to sleep. You know, uh, I've been in a position, this is the first time in almost 10 years that I haven't had to assign anything. And so I've been there. I feel your pain when, look, I got these many people. Uh, I can cover this many games. And the, the first one that was on the chopping block that we don't cover, like you say, is the one that, there's some pick six at the end of a game that turns it around or, you know, it is what it is. I mean, we can't, we can't cover them all. We just simply can't. I mean, so it's tough. No, but, but here's the one thing that 11 o'clock helps you do. Here's the one thing that 11 o'clock helps you do. If there's a winning touchdown or winning field goal in the last 30 seconds, being on later helps you get all of that. Right, And now you can feed that back via computer, which so many of our guys do, which you really didn't have five to ten years ago. So in the Covington-St. Paul's game, if Covington scores a touchdown in the last 20 seconds of the game, then, then you know, and our rule is, our, our, our hard and fast rule is, you can't leave until you call me. Right. That's that's our rule, and I don't care what else I'm doing. I might be anchoring the ten o'clock show. I might be running around like crazy, but I'll have guys call me. Look, it's it's thirty-five twenty-one with seven minutes to play. What do you want me to do? Well, here's the deal. I tell them all the time. Let me make that decision, and if it's wrong, it's my fault. It's not right. your fault. Right. So so what we do is our deal is if it's close, don't leave. So that helps you uh, get the great finishes that maybe you don't always have. And if you're the photographer, you don't want to be the one that said, oh, I, I thought it was over, and then you have to explain, oh, they came back? Oh, yeah, yeah you don't want to be in that. Right, right, right. I mean, you know what? That's happened to us a few times. And, and the only thing that that it, uh, it happens is, is that experience teaches you what to do. And you're always learning. I don't care how long you're doing the program. You're always learning about what you need to do, all right? And experience teaches you what to do. And I guess every once in a while, failure really really teaches you what to do. And you say to yourself, you know what? When you evaluate, hey, I could have done a much better job with that. And that's what you try to do. Well, let's talk about this weekend. And, and you know, there's some, there's some open and round matchups, especially in Division One, that I find highly intriguing. Um, and I, so I want to start there. We talked about JT and, and his John Curtis Patriots, and they start off with Holy Cross. And Coach Salt, one of my best friends on the planet, has had a tough time this year. And the Tigers have, you know, they're a young team that are going to they're going to eventually get better. This is not a great spot for them. But the one that intrigues me the most 
is your alma mater, the, the Rumble Raiders, facing off against the Brother Martin team that has no business being at 11. I mean, we could sit and talk about things sure. that happened throughout the season. I don't want to revisit what happened with Brother Martin, but Brother Martin and Rumble, I mean, this is just the toughest of Rumble has had things that could, that could go wrong to them this year have. Obviously, they're coming in, they're in a transition season. They're young as well. I think Coach Monica has done the best he could possibly do with what he has. Just, I mean, but to, to be in this position where you got to play Brother Martin in the first round is, is kind of brutal. Well, first of all, the Brother Martin thing with the, with the appeal and going down to 11. You know, when people were asking me about the, the appeal, how many of those have you been to over the years in the executive committee where the person appealing won? Uh, I don't know that I've ever been to one. Okay, I, you know, look, and you've, and I'm sure in your time as a newspaper beat writer that that covered high school sports extensively, you've, I've been to my share of them. I'm sure that you've been to many more than I have. And when people ask me about appeals, the only thing I say is, I can't remember Jim people winning. All right, maybe they do, but I don't remember it. So I didn't think Brother Martin had much of a chance on appeal, even though they believed that they had an excellent appeal. And I don't know all the particulars of what their appeal was. I wasn't in the room. But from what I understand, they made a very good case. I've been to my share of these, and you've been to a ton of them. And, and I, I can't remember someone winning on appeal. So I didn't, I didn't hold out much hope for them, even though they expressed optimism. I didn't see it as, as something that they were going to win. I would have been surprised if they would have won. And I don't know the particulars of the case. The, the, you know, I didn't, I didn't hear their appeal, of course. That's something that we're, not, that we're not going to hear. So I didn't think that was going to happen. But with that being said, I went and looked at the Rumble roster a couple weeks ago. And I'm looking for seniors. And I don't see many. And I, when you see grade, I see a few 12s, and I see a lot of 9s and 10s. So I know they have a very young team, and they're going to get better. But this is an extremely good Brother Martin team, and this is their year. They have a senior quarterback. They have a, they have a lot of seniors on their team. They're uh, extremely talented. They're very well coached. Uh, Tory Lambert is the terrific running back. Outstanding. And, yeah, he's He's outstanding. And they, they're, and the thing that makes them so good is that they're so good on the offensive and defensive lines. And the thing about football is football, you move people. That's how you win. There's only so much of the spread you can run if you can't block people. And that's why the Saints, for instance, are five and three this year. Right. They, that's right. They're not, they're not at, the, at, the, at the wide receiver position. They're average at best. But they're good up front, and they have Alvin Kamara. So Brother Martin has that, but they also have a quarterback and they have a passing game. So, and they're also well-coached. You know, Mark Bonis is a terrific coach and they have a great staff. So I think Brother Martin is a great threat to, do, to win Division I. It's going to be really tough for anybody who plays them. If you go back and look at the Curtis game, you know, Curtis hung in there as long as they could. But Brother Martin, what they'll do is they'll run it, they'll run it, and run it, and run it, and all of a sudden, they'll hit you with a big play. And that happened in the third quarter of that game against, uh, against John Curtis. So I think Brother Martin has a great chance. As far as Holy Cross and Curtis is concerned, I told Nick this week, uh, 
on Kenny's radio show. I think it was last Friday. It was Holy Cross night at Francesca's. And I told Nick, I said, your team has improved. I watched them play against St. Aug and the, the, the continuity and the experience and just the improvement that I saw from when they played Jesuit in week, whatever it was, four, to the final week of the regular season when they played St. Aug, I thought their, their, their whole team had improved dramatically because a lot of those young kids are getting experience. So, you know, I, I think Curtis will win that game and, and then they move on, but they've got a tough road ahead too. So, um, but that boy, whoever plays brother Martin, all right, better, better be ready for a very physical game. And if it turns out at some point to be brother Martin Jesuit somewhere, it's going to be, it's going to be rough and tumble. Yeah, I would love to see that rematch. I mean, that was maybe the game of the season. Uh, the first time they played uh, triple overtime, and we had uh, Ryan Manali on our VSN pairings uh, pairings show, which comes out tonight. Um, the shameless plug um, that uh, you know, Jesuit for a two seed. They have the most brutal draw of a two seed that I've ever seen. I think you know, you probably cool. get Curtis, and then. You either get Brother Martin or Bird. I mean, we can't write off Bird because here in South Louisiana, we don't talk about them very often. But Bird's a really, really good football team. And I certainly sure. give them a chance to, to beat Brother Martin. Um, and so, if and then if you do that, you probably get Catholic in the championship game. So, you know, kind of like 2014 when Jesuit won it all, I thought they had a gauntlet to run through and somehow they ran through it and won that championship, uh, which I thought was just an outstanding job. And if they win the championship this year, and I mean Ryan Manali has just done an incredible job. He's got to be the leading candidate to be coach of the year. Um, well, if he runs thing, the, that goal, it's crazy. Right. One one thing that Ryan will tell you is is that they have a bunch of seniors, and their quarterback has really improved. Indeed. The Jack the Jack Larivier that we see this year, not that the one last year wasn't good, but the Jack Larivier last year was much more of a thrower. This guy here, Ryan has turned him into a really dual threat quarterback. No doubt. And Jack will put his head down and run over people. And he loves the weight room. You can tell. I mean, I'm like, holy smoke. I saw him in the preseason. I was like, look how big this kid is. He's always been very tall. All right. right. And I was like, look at this young man how much he's filled out. And, you know, a running quarterback is a big part of what Ryan does in his offense. And, you know, Julian Gums was exhibit A. Yes. In, in that sure. regard. He was unbelievable as a running quarterback at Dallas Al. And that's, that's the kind of football they're going to play. That's the football he believes in. We're going to spread you out. And then we're going to run it right at you. And then when you crowd us, we're gonna we're gonna go over the top and hit you with a big point. It's not dink and dunk. It's kind of a power spread. That's exactly what it is. And the one thing that gives Jesuit a chance against Brother Martin if they play it again, and that's an if, if they play it again, is that Jesuit is extremely physical. And from a maturity level, they have a lot of seniors too. And it's two experienced, tough teams on the field. Do you think Ryan to would? To me, that's a football game that I want to see. You think Ryan would not kick a field goal on first down this time? 
<laughs> I kid well, because I know and love. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Hey, um, I can understand why he did it. And, um, you know, hey, it's one of those things where just, it's kind of a footboat now, though, don't you think? A hundred percent. I mean, Jesuits where they want to be. Um, right. They they ended up getting the, the forfeit victory. Uh, so whatever. And, and you know what? At this point of the season, it doesn't really matter because – I mean, Jesuit, if they wouldn't have been two, they'd have been three. Um, the road wouldn't have been any easier to be a three had Brother Martin not had to incur all those forfeits. And, uh, yeah. you know, one of these days we'll have a show. We'll talk about the whole you you have to do these forfeits. And the, the LHSA has got to figure out a way to – I don't want to really punish kids, so I don't know what the answer is. I'm not, I don't think Brother Martin should be out of the playoffs by any stretch. Because I don't really, we we don't really, really know what happened. And if you want to think about it, but but there's got to be a way to punish a team or at least a school or something without punishing other teams. And to me, this punishes other teams more than it even punishes Brother Martin. Because you know what? To me, it doesn't matter where Brother Martin is or what seed they are. And it, this includes Catholic. I think they're clearly the best team in Division One. And they're the lowest seed in, in this bracket, and they're probably the favorite. So, I mean, you're punishing the Rummels of the world. You're punishing Jesuit. You're punishing Bird. You're certainly punishing Bird. Um, but that's a whole another yeah, show at another but, point. But think, think, about, think about these two things. Because of what happened, I believe, in the brackets in 5A, Hanville's on the road instead of, instead of being a home team in the that's first right. round. Is that correct? Yes. You know, Hondo's on the road. I mean, I, you know, how does Coach Luquette and their team feel about that? They're traveling, number one. Number two, uh, go to I think a, a probation and a fine would be, and JT mentioned this on the show last night, I, I think that probably works better. And a third thing that I've been asked by a lot of people, Ed, why is Catholic in the bracket this year based on the penalties that they got? I think it's a fair question, don't you? One hundred percent. I mean, they're they're the top seed for all that went on last year, and things that not only things that went on that actually they were punished for, but behind the scenes things that we probably don't even know. So I mean, just it's it's insane how there to me there's the inconsistency, and there's got to be ways to fix that. And I, and again, I know this is about kids, so it's 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 really tough. But yeah, probation and fines, and I'm talking about real fines. And if you want to donate, the yeah, not five hundred dollars, five thousand dollars. Right. If you and, and take the money and donate to charity, if you want. I mean, I'm not saying the LHSA should keep this and try to make this a money making thing, but donate it to charity and be open about it. And uh, I think that would change things and turn heads. Maybe you take two games away from them the next year or something. Um, you know that hurts. You know, you're starting to when it's when it's that, and I don't know if egregious is the proper word or not, Jim, but it, when it's when it's when it's that substantial of a penalty that you that you have to take championships away from a school, I don't think they should be in the bracket the next year. I agree. You know, and look, that's that's unfair to the kids. You talk about being fair to the kids. A lot of the kids who had nothing to do with that, but there's. There's got to be, and and if you want to do the fine thing, then you know five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars is is not going to move the needle. 
$5,000. Yeah, $1,000 has never moved a needle. I mean, it, right. it, it just no big deal. Do you get that from a, from a alum? And, and I mean, every school has some rich alum that $1,000 is like a drop in their bucket. I mean, okay, here you go. You need $1,000, no problem. I mean, sure. so, and, it, and, it, and not only that, it's different in when you talk about the private school and the non-select, which, you know, whatever. But the non-select, it's different because they get fined. It's a lot easier for them to find the money than it is for if something were happening to EJ or you talk about Hanville. I mean, it's not quite as easy. But anyway, so I, I don't want to punish kids, but but you got to find a way to punish programs a little bit differently without punishing other schools. We saw with Acadiana, I think six or seven years ago, you know, they get knocked down to a 15th seed. And so what does Ponchatoula get as a reward for being a two seed? They get to play Acadiana in the second round, and boom, there goes your your great season. They were ten and zero, and they lose in the second round because they got to play Acadiana. Luckily, Hank. Yeah, I uh, asked. Yeah, I asked Hank about that, and that was twenty fourteen. Yeah, and we, I was I was asking him about that before uh, one of the games early this year, or week seven or week eight. I was like, hey, what, what year did that happen? That was twenty to twenty fourteen. So you know, look, uh, that that's how it is, and. Um, you know, the one thing I will say, though, is that I, I think the most thankless job in Louisiana is being the executive director of the high school association. I agree. When, it, when, it's so, when it's so fractured right now, everything's fractured. Oh, I'm That's not blaming it. Yeah, I'm not blaming Eddie Bonon. I'm, it's yeah. not his fault. Right. I, mean, I just think it's just so fractured right now. That's that. That's where I'm at with it. Well, I agree. And it's it. you keep going down to... You know, North Louisiana has this bias against South Louisiana, and they think that the Curtises and the Brother Martins of the world are getting away with everything. But no one wants to do anything about changing rules. I mean, not changing brackets in the way we play against one another, but actually changing rules. I mean, figure things out. I mean, the Catholic schools want to make this work, and instead they just throw them off to the side, and they're like, yeah, we don't care what you think. We'll just throw you over here and... We'll use you when you need when we need you in the regular season, and we don't care what happens. To you. you have your own playoffs, okay? I mean, until until they figure out how to solve that problem, we're going to be in this world of hurt for 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 a while. But look, I want to talk about the five A bracket for sure, and and there's a couple things, and we talked about Ponchatoula, and and Hank has had. I'm not. I'm look. I'm unabashed. I say I'm I'm a little biased. I'm. Hank was was at Shaw when I was there, and that was 36 years ago. Um, so I've known Hank since I was 12 years old. Um, but he has not had the luck of the draw when it's come to the bracket. And this year, I think he's finally got a chance to, to, to make a little bit of a run here. You know, if they were to be able to beat Lafayette at home this week, they get the Arid EJ winner. We know that that district uh, is, has not been the best this year. Um, and then you look down the road, he doesn't have to play Acadiana. He wouldn't have to play Acadiana or whoever comes out of that side would be Captain Shreve or Acadiana until uh, the quarterfinals, I believe. No, semifinals. Uh, so I think they're in a they're pretty good position. If you look at all the 5A teams and the powers, Destrahan's on a on a tough side, I think. And I think mm-hmm. that Marcus Scott has done an outstanding job. But to me, mm-hmm. Punch Tool, I think, of the power teams, has the best chance to make a little bit of a run. Mm-hmm. Well, they've got a complete team. And, you know, a triple, their quarterback's done a really nice job. They have Braden Johnson, who's an awfully good back. Um, 
you know, and, and we know what their receivers look like. Now that Jacoby Matthews is out there playing that position uh, sometimes too, and they've, they've got Osby and they've got Amorian Walker, they've got a good offensive line. Man, they they they've got they've got some dudes, and uh, you know this is this is their year too. They're 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 a senior team. That's right. This is their this is their best chance. And how many wins does he have now? He started the year with what? He's got two ninety six. He's got to get to the dome. He's got to get to the dome. That's right. Uh, two eighty. Yeah, two eighty eight. Two eighty eight. Yeah. And they lost so, two games because of Ida. Right. So so if he gets to the dome. The semifinals would be 300. That's right. Right. You'd have He's to win to, in the semifinals to get 300. Win, win the semifinals. Uh, you know, look, they, they've got a talented team. And, and in some respects, in some respects, they're like Brother Martin and Jesuit. Yes. Two senior-laden teams who are very talented, well-coached, with a wealth of experience, who have really kind of pointed for this year. And that's what they've done. And that's the kind of team that they have. And, um, you know, it, I, I, I just, uh, I think it's a really cool story. And uh, I hope it lasts a while. Yeah, you want a movie script kind of ending, all the trouble that Hank's had with Acadiana over the years. He gets <laughs> win number 300 in the semifinals over Acadiana to go to the Dome and then just ride off into the sunset. Because I really think... Yeah. If I really yeah. think if he hits 300, he's 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 done. Um, yeah. yeah. If he doesn't, he's going to have a big decision to make. Right. And you know what? And here's the thing about next year is that if you come back next year, and I don't think he's going to do that, but if you come back next year, then all of a sudden, guess what? He's got a he's really in a start over situation. Well, he'll have triple back, but that'll be about it. That'll be it. it that'll be it. But look at all the guys that they lose. Yeah. For instance, this year. Mandeville's not in the playoffs. They had Landon IBL, who was a very good player. But if you look at the team that Mandeville had last year, they had a ton of seniors and they had a really nice club. And they and they they competed at an extremely high level. Now they were those kids were competing hard this year, but they they really lost so many players. For instance, if you think about it on Saturday night. And I know they calculate their rushing stats differently in college with the sacks and everything. Right. But if you think about it, LSU held Alabama to six rushing That's yards. Incredible. In that game. So, you know, people say, well, well, how does that happen? I was like, look, in 2019, LSU had that team. In 2020, Alabama had that team. Go back and look at the last two drafts. Just look at look at it this way, Jim. Go back to 2019 in Tuscaloosa. The wide receivers that were on the field that day: Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, right. Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall, and Justin Jefferson. It's insane. They were all on the same field. It's insane. <laughs> you I know, mean, I really mean, and Joe Burrow. I'm watching and- the warmups, and I'm like. I'm watching the warm-ups, and I'm like, are you kidding me? And Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it's Joe, it's Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa were the quarterbacks. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is back there right. for LSU. And, and Najee Harris. And Najee Harris, that's right. So and We're not even talking about the offensive linemen. Right, the offensive linemen who were drafted on, on from, from both schools. And, like and the Pro Bowl the squad. As well, 
Right, right. So, I mean, when you think about all the guys who were on the field that day, it really, it really was an NFL game in college. It really was. There's no, there's no, there's no doubt about. It. You know, that would be a great, a great five or ten minute segment. You could just talk about, uh, just kind of like go through, and not, not just the great. I mean, we know the Jamar Chases and the Justin Jeffersons and and the Devontae Smiths and all that, but to go, go in the trenches, and think about the guys that were playing in the lines and the guys that do all the head banging. I mean, there, there, there have to be twenty NFL players that were in that game. Right. I mean, you look at the LSU What's offensive line. Damian Lewis played himself right. in the league last, but in 2019, what he did. Lloyd Cushenberry, I didn't think was a very good player when he came to LSU. He became an excellent player. All right. Very, he was the glue in that offensive line. He was extremely good. And then you had, uh, that, I mean, Deculus is still with the team this year. But you go back and you look at the guys that they had on that line and the guys that they had on the defensive line. Right. You know, but, but, but the thing that just blows me away is the skill that was on the field that day. And, you know, the one thing that I thought of before the game was, well, I know LSU is good enough. I know they can win this game and they, they have, they have enough talent to beat Alabama, but if they give up, you know, I, I'll give you another guy, Patrick queen. Who yeah, made I was going to talk about him. Yeah. First round pick. So when, when you look at that game that that they were able to there, there were 87 points scored in that game and I really thought there probably could have been 120 points scored in that game. I think both teams left some points out on the field. It's it was it was a it was crazy watching all those guys on one field that day. That's going to be one of those games where you go back in time, you know, you do your little flashback segments and and yeah. talk about players. One of these, with 15, 20 years from now, when we start doing, you know, before our careers are, well, we might not make it for 15 or 20 more years. But anyway, we'll go back and look, and that's the game we'll talk about, about all the people that were in the NFL. And it's, and it's really amazing. I bet there's no game in college football history where you had that many NFL, at least starters, that were on the same field at the same time. In college yeah, football, it, it, you know, if you look at you look at the last two drafts, LSU had 14 drafted in 2019. They had here's the thing that's stunning about that team. This is a number that blows me away. I went back and looked at it one day. 11 out of the top 108. Wow. So <laughs> I, that means I didn't know that. So that means one out of every 10 players in the top 110 or whatever. That's insane. One out of every 10 was an LSU guy. That's insane. And then you probably had another, uh, you probably had another uh, big chunk from Alabama. So you probably had yes. one out of six in that in that number uh, were, mm-hmm. were playing in that football game. That's Correct. insane. That's Correct. just insane. Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt, incredible. What other couple matchups that that really stick out to you? You know, we talk about the players, and you know, you got Chaz Preston, and you can go through the line at St. James and I mean, Arch is only a junior and he gets all this pub and rightfully so. Um, Aaron Anderson at car is to me, the fastest guy in the state of Louisiana. Don't kick him the football. Um, it's sure. just it, every year, the talent we're talking about somebody new and all these kids go on to, to be big players. But is there anything that sticks out that you want to see? I know for me, I'd love to see another car. I can never get enough car East and especially that car is moving up now. 
this is this will be might be the last time we ever get a chance to see Carr and Easton play in the dome. But you know, I'd love to see that happen. Is that what sticks out to you? Well, I mean, I think that's that's one of the things that sticks out. But also, Jim, here's here's something that could happen. In two years, Easton's going to have five A enrollment, and if they have five A enrollment, where are they going? They got to go to Catholic League, right? Right. That I would know. be one heck of a league. And look, I I wrote that for Kenny Trahan's website that I thought Carr should be put in the Catholic League, and there was a lot of blowback about that. But you know, talking to Eddie Bonine, one of the things that they do is they use mileage to calculate it. And if you use mileage to calculate it, Jim, Jesuit and Brother Martin and Holy Cross are all closer to Carr than they are to Shaw. Yeah. Am I right? Sure. Yeah. Yes. They're and, all closer and, to Carr than they are to Shaw. And Jesuit's what, a mile away from Easton? So. And Jesuit's a mile away from Easton. Exactly. I mean, you could walk you from know, Easton I, to Jesuit easily. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it's, it's, um, so I think that even though we might take a little hiatus on that as far as a playoff matchup is concerned because Easton will be 4A, if you look at, at the future, I think that's definitely coming. And, you know, Carr in that league is going to get so much attention when they play against uh, John Curtis and against yes. Rumble and against Brother Martin and against you know, uh, Holy Cross and against St. Augustine, you know, it's really going to be one of those leagues where it, it is the SEC. <laughs> it There's is. no question. It, yeah, it's like it's like a Texas or an Oklahoma joining the SEC. That's what it is. And if Warren Easton comes and all of a sudden they have 5A enrollment, you know, the only thing I said about all of that was this. I thought, and I don't know if you agree or not, but I thought it would be unfair to put Carr in the Jefferson Parish League because in some instances, that would be a non-competitive situation. They wouldn't get anything out of it. No, not agree with that. Yeah, the teams they play wouldn't get anything out of it, and Carr themselves wouldn't get anything out of it. I mean, right. so if you think about Chalmette who won that league, and Carr, what would Carr do to Chalmette? No offense to the Isles, I love my Isles. But right. what would Carr do to Shalmet? Right. And, you know, look, Shalmet plays Houghton in the first round. That might be a pretty decent game. So There's no question about it. That, that, might, be, that might be a decent game. So my, my point is um, I don't know where else you can put Carr. You couldn't put him on the river. And so you really had two options, the Catholic League or the Jefferson Parish League. And to me, there was only one place to put them. No, I know a lot of people in the Catholic League don't want to hear that, and they didn't agree with it, and I respect their opinion. That's fine. I get it. All right? But the, the rea- what is the reality of the situation? One or two places they can go. And I didn't think that they could go to, um, to, to Jefferson Parish. Didn't think so. What makes things even more interesting to me is if they stay in non-select, which I'm not sure why Carr is not a select school, but that's a whole other story. Um, right. If they stay in non-select and say they, you know, they lose a couple games that they wouldn't normally lose, and you end up with Carr like a, a nine or ten seed. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, how would you like to be the 23 of the no 24? Yeah. Oh my God. 
Thank you very much. We won our last game when we moved out of the 31 slot and all the way up to 23. What's our present? We get Edna Carr. Oh, man. Get Edna Carr. Oh, look. I, I, don't, I don't think there's any doubt, but that's the system we have. And, you know, I think that here's how I would fix it. I would get back down not to five classes, but to four. You and would go all the way to four. And here's why. If you could go back and look at the brackets in the 80s. Go well, I remember them. I was living them. I was in high school. <laughs> right. Go back and look at it. Guess what? If you were a five and five team, you probably didn't get in. No. Of course you didn't. Unless you were a district champion. Is that right? That's 100% right. No, right. I think they changed, they changed the rules to, with, with, to allow more teams in when Holy Cross, Brother Martin, and Shaw all finished nine and one. And I believe it was Brother Martin that got the shaft and didn't get in. Um, at nine and one, they all beat each other once. They it was it went by some weird point system where whoever beat the other team by the most were the district champs, and whoever right. won by the least was out. And I think I really think it was Brother Martin. I know Shaw got in, and so you had a nine and one Catholic League team that didn't get into the playoffs back then. That is that is incredible to think of. And that changed a lot but, of things. Yeah. But, Jim, imagine how compelling that regular season is. Oh, there's no doubt. But uh, you know, that's a little it's too just harsh. Like, it's just like the NCAA tournament. I'm old enough to remember when there was 32. Yeah. And Maryland would play NC State on the last game of the regular season, and it was gigantic because one was getting in and one was staying right. home. Right, And they were both great teams. To me, that's what made the regular season great. I like the NFL playoffs when there's five teams. Yeah, when they had well, five. I loved it. Okay, You like, you had you like baseball when it's, when it's the, the, the one, the NLCS, and that's it, right? Two teams. In when, each. when the Giants and the Braves each won 100 games and one of them stayed home, what, what year was that? Remember that? That was how far? That was when Will Clark was playing. That was in yeah, the eighties. That was in the late eighties. Um, right. Was that eighty-seven when they played the Cubs? It uh, might have been. Eight, it might have been eighty-nine when the Giants went to the 89, World Series. The World War Earthquake year. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. You know, to me, that makes the regular season more compelling. And look, I know you're not going to do that because of television these days. Right. And in, in, in a lot of, in a lot of respects, and I get that, but. If you went back down to four or even five classes, the playoffs would be better. And I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel this way. I think in a lot of cases, there's too many teams who are playing football. Some of these schools should not be playing football. I 100% agree. And, and, and I love the coaches and I love those guys, Okay. But some of these games are not competitive. When you're talking about district games and running time, one of two things are going to happen. Either you're not good enough, or maybe we need to have a different district that doesn't compete for state championship honors and just plays the district games that year. Well, here's my thing. And if you're going to keep it like this, which I completely I agree with you, I don't necessarily agree you should go back to four classes, but five or at the, at the, at the worst six that would be the most, but if you're going to keep it like this, then you need to change non-select the 16 team brackets 
and you need to change the select brackets to eight team brackets um, and make it so you're playing for something. I mean, you, you got to play your way in. I mean, you shouldn't, and I know a lot of teams opt out these days and I'm fine with that. I mean, if you're realistic to, enough to know. Out of the playoffs, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, I, look, I told, I told Philip Pygott, yeah, I told Philip Pygott at Pope John Paul that those kids, this senior class deserved to be in the playoffs. And I told him before the season, whatever you do, make sure you play in the playoffs. And they actually earned their way in. They won four games this year. So Pope John Paul's right. turning things around. But but just in an overall sense, to me, we got to cut the number of teams that go in the playoffs down. It, it's not even as much as the nine classes are absurd enough. But to have 32 right. teams out of 51 make the playoffs, and then in the non-select, everybody makes it except right. for just a couple here and there. It's just insane. I mean, you can't have a one-in-nine team. I've seen winless teams that are in the playoffs. Why? So, so, so what, what is the value of the regular season, Jim? There isn't any. I mean, for seating, you're playing for seating purposes all year long. I mean, it's insane. And that's, all that's, of eight, why, that's why, that's why I, you know, I, I believe in the value of the regular season. I and agree with when, that. When we do, and, and that's why I didn't like when the NFL went to seven playoff teams. Yeah, that's too many. Now, that may benefit the Saints this year. I don't know. They would have finished, I think, much higher if Jameis Winston had I heard him last year. Right. But my, my point is this. They played the Bears in the first round of the that's playoffs. Right. They should have had a bye. In a thoroughly unentertaining game in the first round. And you know how the Saints played that game. Let's not mess it up. That's Let's right. just win it and get out of here. And that's exactly what they did. And the Bears did not belong in the playoffs last year. That was not a playoff team. When you're talking about a Super Bowl bracket, they didn't belong in the playoffs last year. But what you're doing is you're adding another layer because it's TV dollars. That's where all does there it, is to Where does it end, Ed? Where does it end? I have no idea. I, you know, I, it's, it's a good point. I have no idea. I used to criticize the, the NBA and the NHL, and I would say, you know what? Thank God the NFL is not like that. But now the NFL is like that. And, and believe me, going I down love, that road. Yeah, and I love 2003 when Oklahoma and LSU played in the BCS championship, and there was a huge controversy about keeping USC out. And Pete Carroll lobbied to be the AP number right. one, and they were. They were the AP number one. But I was for a 14 playoff. And I was wrong, dead wrong. You know why? Go back and look, Jim, over the, the eight years of the 14 playoff, eight, seven or eight seasons, whatever it is. Go back and look at that and tell me how many good semifinal games have we had? Not a lot. Right. And now we're going to go to 12? Yeah, now no, we're going to go to 12? Yeah, I'm not in favor of 12, but I am in favor of eight. Um, because, and here's well, why: I think the Cincinnati's the Cincinnati's going to get hosed in this whole deal. Um, and to me, well, they what deserve to Georgia beat Alabama. Cincinnati's going to be ahead of Alabama. I'm not sure that they're going to make. I think they're going to make it so Georgia doesn't have to play Alabama. Uh, they're going to find some kind of way to avoid that. I mean, they manipulate this whole thing. It's not about who's the best. You and I both know it's not about who's the best four teams in the country. It's about who's going to bring in the most dollars. You and I both know that. I mean, Oregon at number three. I mean, there's no way Oregon's the third best team in the country. They, they don't deserve to be at number three. But it's about dollars and keeping people on the West Coast interested. 
So basically, basically what you have this year, after watching all these games through early November, you have one great team, and that's Georgia. Agree? Yep. Agreed. All right. You got one great team. So we're going to have a four-team playoff, and Georgia's going to have to win two more games. After they theoretically beat Alabama in an SEC championship, if they're able to do that. So my my point is is that you know more is not always better, and I understand why 12 works because what it does is it takes all of the New Year's six bowls and makes them relevant. And for the Sugar Bowl, who I love, I love the Sugar Bowl and have since I'm a little kid. For the Sugar Bowl, I think it's a great thing. But there's going to be more blowouts. And if you go back and look at those semifinals, I can only think of two that just really knocked my socks off. And Georgia-Oklahoma was one in the Rose Bowl. And the Alabama-Ohio State, the first year at the Sugar Bowl, was incredible. That was a great game. You know, that, Ezekiel Elliott and all those other guys were on the, on the field that day. That was, a, that was a tremendous game. But, again... Look, I'm in television, but I'll criticize television. It's all about TV, and it's all about the money. Well, the two, three games are usually pretty good. I mean, you think about Ohio State and Clemson uh, a couple years ago. That was a, I mean, that was a decent game. That I was mean, a good game. You know, but, so but think about think the about the one four games are usually blow up. I mean, look at LSU Oklahoma in 2019. I remember walking off the field and I turned to an LSU person who shall remain nameless. And I said, coach, I said, there, there are five teams in the SEC who are better than Oklahoma. There's no question. And the the coach looked at me and said, no, Ed, Ole Miss is better than Oklahoma. (laughs) And I was like, are you kidding me? Yes. They said, and walked in the locker room. It was a joke. All right, and LSU should have scored ninety that day. I was if they wanted, they could have. They could have scored hundred. Got ninety. I think they, they could have scored. If, if the goal, if, if the goal was you had to score hundred points to win in the in yeah. the in the sixty minutes, I think they could have done it. I mean, right, exactly. They they Burrow went crazy and they stepped off the gas and just ran the clock out. Yeah, that's not supposed to be a semifinal game. That's not what it's supposed to be about. No, I don't. I just I don't disagree with you at all, and I think that, you know, you talked about LSU in nineteen, uh, Alabama in twenty twenty, and if you if you want my opinion, I think that Georgia is hands down, unless Kirby Smart spits the bit against Alabama again, um, which I don't see this year because their defense is just too good. Right. I don't see anybody that's going to beat them. I mean, there's there's Georgia and there's everybody else. I mean, right. and you could take you could take eight teams. I guess it doesn't really matter because you take the next eight teams after Georgia, probably throw them in a hat, and who cares, right? I mean, right. But in the meantime, in the meantime, those games are happening, making so, money. Yeah, making money exactly. Look, and I and I get it. You know, when the Southeastern Conference comes to our station. No later than 2024, earlier if they buy CBS out of the package, which it's looking like it's not going to happen. But we've got two more years of waiting. But our sales department, and I do everything I can to help those guys, our sales department, which does a great job, they are so, they are frothing at the mouth. I bet. (laughs) The SEC on a Saturday. 
And the revenue that it will generate for our, for, for our station is amazing. Give you an example. The same company that owns our station owns a CBS affiliate in, in, in Birmingham, Channel 42. And I turned to the executive and I said, man, this is going to be giant for us. He said, yes. He said, but the CBS affiliate in Birmingham, 42, 40% of our revenue is from SEC football. And as a CBS the whole affiliate, year. the whole year, 40%, they're going to wow. lose that. Oh, my god. I mean, goodness. they're going to lose that because they're losing the SEC. Wow. That, that so, you know, it's somebody a windfall for us because we're an ABC affiliate. It's a windfall for us. Yeah. Because, you know, imagine the eyeballs you're going to have on a Saturday afternoon. You can be home in, in front of your widescreen TV, and you can watch Texas LSU and Oklahoma, Alabama back-to-back. Yeah. What that's kind insane. of numbers do you think that's going to do? It's going to be insane. I can only imagine. I mean, right? you know. Well, I, I do want to, before we let you go, just briefly, I do want to touch on the Saints and, uh, you know, the whole yo-yo thing. I talked about it, about it in my NFL picks column this morning. But, man, I don't know that I've ever seen a season like this. Uh, well, I mean, I guess we have. We've got to go back in, into the think tank. Um, but a season where you beat the Packers, and you beat the defending champions, but you lose to the Giants and the Falcons. The Panthers we can dismiss because they had all the COVID issues. But I mean, I don't, I don't understand this. Mm. Well, uh, first of all, I was, I'm watching my 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 satellite is out. We had some kind of a technical problem last Sunday. I'm sitting at my computer. It's nine o'clock on a Sunday night, and I've got the computer open just like I have it now. And I'm watching the game on NBC Sports. And Al Michaels turns to Chris, Chris Collinsworth and says, who is great in this league? And I know I'm paraphrasing a little bit. I'm not, that, that wasn't exactly the question. But you get my drift. That's right. And Chris Collinsworth, there was a long pause before he started to answer. And I said, you know what? He's absolutely right. How many really good teams how many great teams are there out there? And I'm not going to try to explain it. If you look at what happened last week, Tennessee loses Derrick Henry. That's right. They go out to the Rams and smash them. They just beat them up physically. They gave Stafford no time to throw the ball. They still ran it well. You know, Tannehill did his thing, and, and Tennessee played physical football, and they won that game. So, you know, the NFL is going to be it's going to be up and down, up and down. And what I'm looking for is the one team at the end of November and December that gets hot. And there always will be one. And I think one of those teams is the team with a great quarterback. I, remember I, last year. I agree. Tampa, Tampa yep. got hot right after they lost to the Saints. That's right. And Nothing. they were what the five seed or four seed. They were the five, five and they they got hot. They got hot. They did not lose a game the rest of the year, and they won the Super Bowl. And I think it's going to be the same thing this year. Some team is going to get hot. And the one thing that's disappointing is I don't think it's going to be the Saints because of their quarterback situation. I don't disagree. Um, I will say this, though. I think you're going to have another year where you're going to have a, a middle seed. All we talk about is the Rams and the Titans and the Packers and it's going to be some Arizona. Some, yeah. And Arizona, you know what though? Arizona. Not enough people talk about Arizona 
And it could right. be an Arizona type team, though, if you were to pick a seed that's going to be high. It's sure. you're going to have some weird Super Bowl winner this year. I'm making a prediction. I mean, I, I still think it's going to be my prediction is still Rams and Titans because I'm not going to get away from that because that's what I predicted in the preseason. So I'm going to stick with it for now. But I also predict that it's going to be some kind of weird playoffs. Yeah. Well, you know what? So this week the Saints are a three point underdog, right? Yep, they're going to win. I think they're going to win. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm I don't worried know about that. Win, but I, 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 I got to tell you, the Saints are what, five and three? So they played eight games. I'm seven and one with the Saints against the spread this so year. So am I. I'm seven and one, too. And, the only one I lost was and, the Giants. And you know what? On Sports Zone on Friday, I'm going to pick the Saints plus the three. Yeah. I did this because morning in my NFL picks column. I think it's, it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a great game, and it's going to go right down to the wire. And here's the thing. I like the Saints field goal kicker. He doesn't have the leg that some of these other guys do, but he's shown that he's extremely poised and extremely accurate. And I think think he was a great pickup. Look, here's the thing to me, and and I I didn't like him last week. I didn't necessarily think they would lose, um, but I thought it would be a really close game. Um, And I did pick the Falcons with the spread last week. But the reason why I think the Saints went outright is this. The Saints spent so much time on Tampa Bay, they expelled every single emotion and piece of energy True. they had for three weeks on Tampa Bay. They thought they could turn around because they knew the Falcons better than anybody. 26th matchup against Matt Ryan and, and Sean Payton. And then you just kind of lay an egg. And who regroups better than Sean Payton when his back's up against the wall and, like, we've got to have this? And the Saints are about to end the, enter this brutal stretch of the schedule. They really kind of have to. You don't want to go to five and four. And I, I think they're going to go out and play some of their best football this weekend. I think it'll be Taysom. I don't think. I mean, I don't know if we know, but I don't think it matters. I think that I think the Saints are going to play their their best football, especially on defense this week. Yep. Well, it's going to take that kind of effort against that team on the road. I think it's it's absolutely one of the most compelling games this week, without a doubt. But you know what? If it doesn't, if it doesn't work out like we think it's going to work out, Jim, don't be surprised. I agree. That's exactly what we have this year. Final question: um, LSU needs to beat. Uh, they're going to beat ULM. We know that they they need to beat either Arkansas or Texas A&M to get in a bowl game. Does Coach O's LSU career end in a bowl game, or does it end with Texas A&M? Uh, I have a hard time believing that he's going to coach in the bowl game. Okay. Uh, but because I think LSU is going to have a coach by the middle of December, and I'm told that it's a very high-profile name. So that, that leads me to either Jimbo Fisher or Lincoln Riley. So um, I think LSU is going to have a coach by mid-December, and I'd love to see Ed Ogeron coach the bowl game. I think he deserves to. But it, to me, it would be very awkward to have two head coaches in the building at the same time. Do you think they even make a bowl game? I guess is my question. Do they beat Arkansas? Well, I think they're going to beat Arkansas on Saturday night. You do? Yes, I do. I think they're going to beat Arkansas on Saturday night. They're going to beat Louisiana Monroe, and that'll get them the six. There so, you have it. Yeah, and look, some bowl game will want to take them because it's very compelling oh, for sure. that he's at the end of the rope and he's and he's coaching a game. And I hope oh, he no gets question. to coach the game. Yeah, there's but, no question if they if they get that, he'll go. They'll yeah, go. I, 
You know, look, they'll be underdogs against Texas A&M, but I think they'll beat Arkansas. If they beat Arkansas, they'll beat ULM, and they'll be bowl eligible. And, and, it, and it'll, be, it'll be another chapter of Bizarro World. Ed Daniels, sports director at WGNO, I can't thank you enough for spending, we were going to spend 20 minutes, and I don't even know how much time it was, so it was more than an hour. That's okay. Okay, well, I really appreciate the time, uh, Ed, and I I, I really, and and I know I've told you this several times, but no one does a a football show like you guys do at WGNO, and um, even if you're just kind of a casual observer of of high school football, you got to spend an hour on Friday night watching Friday night football because it, it is the best. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jim. I'll tell you what, that'll, that'll keep me awake at one in the morning on Thursday when I'm still at the office. When I get home at 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning, that'll, that'll keep me awake. I appreciate it. All right, Ed. Well, we're, we're watching you during the playoffs and enjoy these next five weeks. Okay, my friend. Take care. Talk to you later. I mean, when you think prep football in the New Orleans metro area, the first name that comes into my mind is Ed Daniels. Um, there, there are some great ones around. Um, our friend Kenny Trahan's been doing it a long time uh, with Ed. They went to school together, uh, certainly. Uh, but Ed is the first person that comes to my mind, and I, I love when I run into him on Friday nights. Hasn't happened as much this year as, as it normally does. Uh, and look, my friends at Fox 8 do a great job as well. I've, I've been uh, lucky enough to make some friends over there, and uh, been on the, I was on the show last Friday. I know I'll probably be on again before the season's over. Um, love my friends at Fox 8. They do, they're doing a wonderful job with their show, uh, Fox Friday Night. I, I watch both of them. I record uh, both shows, and when I'm, fin- when I'm done writing my story, the first thing I do is watch those two shows before I go to bed. And I don't usually get to bed till probably 3 a.m. on a Friday night, which makes for a long Saturday. But, hey, that's why we're in this business, and it certainly beats working on roofs. Roofs? Is it roofs or roofs? I always mess that up. I think in, in, if you were typing it, you would say roofs, right? But if you're just talking, roofs. But I digress. I told you it's been a long show. We're going to wrap it up with today with my friend and colleague, Eric Ritchie, who um, been on the local scene for quite a while now. And we'll forgive him that he's a Cincinnati Reds fan. That's okay. He can be a Reds fan. He posted something the other day about uh, on Twitter about his <laughs> Purdue beat Notre Dame uh, many decades, a couple decades ago. And uh, he was part of the local sports scene there before he came to New Orleans and uh, running onto the field. I just... That was great. I asked him if he could still run like that. It just reminds me. Yes, we were all young once. And Eric, Eric and I have been around here for, for a while now. And, and, and look, he brought me on when no one else wanted me. No one, you know, we were going through all the things at the old NOLA.com. Um, and uh, I didn't have a place to go. We were, we were bought by the advocate. I hadn't talked to the advocate people, the advocate yet. And um, thank God that they ended up taking me on um, and putting up with me because Lord knows where I'd be. But, you know, back when the old NOLA.com got rid of me and I didn't know what was going to happen, Eric Ritchie picked me up. And uh, play-by-play is I'm not ashamed to say it, and as much as I love writing and as much as I love doing this podcast and doing shows and 
making picks about betting and uh, writing stories, I'm sorry, about, about betting. My passion is doing play-by-play. And Eric Ritchie gave me a venue to do that, and for that I will always be grateful. But we have a big show tonight coming up on VSN, on Varsity Sports Now. You can check it out, varsitysportsnow.com. There's a Varsity Sports Now app that you can get on your phones um, and watch it for free tonight. Uh, we talk about subscriptions, but I believe the show tonight is, is not a subscription-based thing. You can watch that one uh, for free. So uh, definitely worth looking into, even if you have a casual interest in the prep football world. So let's preview it now. We welcome Eric Ritchie to the Datitude Podcast, the founder and CEO of Varsity Sports Now and, and my boss for the last three years uh, over the course of what we've done at VSN. And, uh, you know, most of you out there know me as uh, as sports betting writer or former prep writer at The Farmer and now The Advocate, but I, but I have two lives. And, uh, you know, one thing I, I, I want to say out in public while we have you on is... Um, you know, you wanted me when no one else did. And uh, that's something that I will always appreciate, my friend. And uh, I am so proud to be part of the team that I'm on right now at VSN. Well, I appreciate that, Jim. And, I mean, you talk about having two lives. I- I'd rather have a little Jim Derry than no Jim Derry. So, I mean, absolutely. Are you kidding? Who wouldn't want your energy, passion, knowledge, experience, as a play-by-play guy, I mean, I, I have fun every Friday listening to you and Jim Rapier call the North Shore Game of the Week. It is highly entertaining, and you guys take us all over the music world, and it's usually in my <laughs> genres, 70, so I can relate, kind of like your director, Todd Whittington, that you guys, you guys should just mic him up, really. We really should. I, re- I think we're going to do that. I think we're at some point. We're Honest to God, I think you should just occasionally because I know Jim Rapier kind of, you know, Todd, what do you think? You know, I'm like, let's just get Todd on. Let's he's just get great. Todd on. And, he, you know, he's, and, and look, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're patting each other on the back here, but, you know, when Todd got involved with VSN, it was literally the first football game, the first camera guy we had. He came to the VSN headquarters, a.k.a. my garage in Destrahan, uh-huh. and uh, was looking at a camera, and one of his friends, uh, Eric Carl, was, you know, learning the computer and the directing. And I work with Todd quite a bit with CST and Cox 4 and other different stories I've seen him on. Very reliable, great camera op. And I said to Todd, I go, Todd, well, why don't you learn this too? You could, you know, direct as well. And he looked at me like I just, you know, was Charlie Manson, like, oh, my God, no. There's, I don't want anything to do with that. And obviously, you see every Friday, but I have witnessed a director literally flourish and just develop in front of our eyes. He's literally one of our best guys now. He's highly creative. He's very engaged. You know, I know he is listening to you guys. He wants to do the best he can. He gets all the shots. And for those listening to your podcast, the director is the guy pushing the buttons, right? right. He's he's taking this camera and he's taking this camera and he's got the audio. And with us, he's also the graphics guy. He's changing the scores. You know, he's got the other camera on the, the game clock so you can see what how much time's left. He's been amazing. And he, you know, he did a lot with us with ADP Beach and, um, you know, 
just a huge fan of that entire crew up there. You guys are killing it. And it's just, like I said, it's one of my favorite watches every, every Friday. And I don't get to post as much as I want because I know you got my back. If I'm, if I'm editing Arch Manning highlights or Episcopal or Ascension Catholic lecture, I know Jim Derry is going to, you know, turn some video for us. Um, you know, eventually to, to appease those North Shore peeps. Well, we have, uh, you know, I dare to say the most fun crew um, <laughs> out of all the VSN crews and, you know, maybe uh, across the state in, in any broadcast format. Because, you know, I'll say something on this. It's going to be something that Todd's going to appreciate. I'll look over and he's got a big smirk on his face. And, uh, you know, it just kind of, it, you know, the whole camaraderie of the thing makes my night. We, yeah, we've, love we've really love gelled, it. and uh, you're right, Todd Whittington has certainly come along as a great director. And if, for anyone that hasn't, you know, even if you're not that big into prep football or whether you, you know, just a couple games here and there, you need to go to VSN and check us out, not just us at the North Shore, but we have all the Arch Manning games. Uh, we we do we're proud. Yeah, we have we have some and look the playoffs are starting this week. One of the main reasons why I want to have you on. So go check us out. Uh, it's varsitysportsnow.com, uh, and we have an app, Varsity Sports Now app, and you for nine ninety nine a month. You don't. It's not just the live games that we have. Whatever's coming up this weekend and the playoffs starting this week, but you can go back in time and watch anything that we've done for the past. Uh, what almost three years now right absolutely yeah absolutely we've uh the 2018 season i think of the very tail end of it i think is when we That's started right. we did all the 2019 all the 2020 throughout the pandemic and this is really you know the third full year of uh of our high school football coverage it's amazing how we've grown too because i look at uh i think that first game you did was a destrahan was it it, it was actually the first one we did. That was the second one. And that was okay. the Dwayne Jenkins was my color analyst. That was a John Emery game. I think he scored a couple of touchdowns. First game we did was a West St. John and I believe Homer uh, playoff game. First round of the, of the one, eight playoffs. And um, that was the first one. I was, I was, I was pretty happy that night, but yeah, that 2018 season, we caught a couple of playoff football games and we were, we were, we were just thrilled that we were off and running. Well, it's to me, and obviously we've taken strides again this year, but to me, the strides that we took uh, during the pandemic year um, and the things that we've done and the people that have come on board with us, I think have been just incredible. Um, you know, and if, if you look at, a sh at what we've done from 2000, the end of 2018 to now, I mean, uh, we, we rival any any of the other the biggies if you if you look at we done it, it's it's as close to a professional i mean i'm with it obviously professional but it's as close no, to top-notch espn type type deal as you're going to get on on our level and we do it with just a handful of people and it's a, i think it's amazing what we're able to do with just a handful of people that the latter part of that last statement jim i think is, is the most uh, resonates the most with me because I know in the trenches what we just said about Todd, right? Our directors, I don't have to, you know, set everything up, set up a live stream, which obviously isn't going to be a hundred percent, you know, some, Hey, Justin can't see the stream and there's no audio. So there's always just, you know, an issue here, issue there, but you know, they, they're keeping score. They're running the graphics, they're running replays, you know, in, in a real truck, a production truck, there's a person for replays. There's a person for graphics and audio, you know, and, and we've, we've, you know, got it down to where our director does all that. 
And the great thing is, you know, we're, we're all over the state. We can do 10, 10 games on a Friday night, which, you know, to be honest, we might be, you know, getting close to that this Friday as we, you know, you know, kind of call schools and, you know, make sure that we're allowed to do it or if they want us to do it. But um, yeah, we're on the cusp of doing bigger things and it's just not the high school sports arena. And I mentioned the ADP beach, you know, pro beach volleyball. We got to do a couple times last year and, you know, some college baseball that you called that NAI baseball regional out of Loyola. But I think, you know, that's, that's going to be the key for BSN's growth. Ultimately, not just high schools in different states, which obviously was our focus right out of the gate. It was to, you know, really plant our flag in Louisiana and, you know, move out from there. But now it's, you know, colleges and, um, you know, minor league, you know, different sports and, you know, even, um, you know, even things like robotics and things like uh, esports. you know, all of that. The thing that you're into right now, Jimmy, the, the, the gambling, the sports gambling. Obviously, we can't involve sports gambling with high school sports, but, you know, there, there's got to be something that we can do, you know, VSN. We talked about you and Lon and Hunter uh, doing a, a podcast uh, you know, high school sports, but you know, there's, there's no roadmap, you know, we can, we can do a Saints show. We could do an LSU show. Um, you know, just like you and I are doing now, we have enough guys that are, you know, well-versed in, in, in those topics that we could certainly do that. So yeah, I'm pivoted as a company so many times, Jim, you know, it started off when I pitched investors, it was about the cool 30 for 30 type shows I was doing. I didn't even know what they were called. They're, they're docu-series. I, yeah. I found out later from HBO, but like when I was putting a mic on Timmy Bird for a couple of years and following his teams or, you know, uh, the Destrian, you know, Lady Lady Cats and them, they're, you know, Kyra Erson and what they were doing. And then we started doing, you know, Mondo Duplantis and Shelby Wickersham. Just those type of cool 30 for 30s was what I thought I could build the network off of. Those are great, but incredibly time consuming. And to be, you know, business frank, you know, not very profitable, you know. So what really is, you know, kind of pushed the needle for us has been live streaming games. And obviously football is king in South Louisiana. We know that. But we also know that we can live stream what we can get. Right. Lon Elsey went out and got us the LHSLL. We got lacrosse. How huge was that? That's like, that's there. We're, we're now like this, you know, fingers, you know, right. we're banded like brothers with the lacrosse LHSLL league and beach volleyball. So we'll, you know, we'll, you know, we'll live stream and get creative with it and just get in the trenches and, you know, do what we can to grow as a company. Well, that, you know, and we, we Lon Elsey is, is a, you know, a former coach uh, has become a very good friend of mine, and uh, he does an outstanding job as sales manager. And he's also the color analyst for for Newman Games. He and I have worked together uh, doing play by play to get together, and this is the fun time of year. I'm mean, sure Lon's looking forward to to getting into Newman's playoff run. They're about to Arch Manning. They're going to be playing Episcopal in two weeks. Uh, that's going to be an interesting four or five game, but. Just talk about um, here at VSN. We've got a lot going on. You talk about the potential of maybe ten games on on Friday night. This is, uh, you know, when you think about the NFL and that first week in January, and that, then the second week in January. To me, the first and second round of the prep playoffs are some of the most fun times of the year, especially for us at VSN with all that that we've got going on. And we have a yeah. big, we have a big playoff preview show that's going to show it all tonight. No doubt, no doubt. And, um, 
you know, you um, and Lon hosted that show. It's the third year that we've done the parent show, working with Albert DuPont and his awesome students at Loyola, um, and we, you know, utilizing their studios. We partnered with them on so many projects. So, yeah, I mean, we had nine different guests on the show. We recorded the show on Monday. We're going to drop it, as you said, Wednesday. Um, you know, in-studio guests, Dwayne Jenkins, Nelson Stewart, um, uh, Ryan Manali from Jesuit. And then we had coaches all over the state, uh, Jess Curtis from Manny, uh, Jim Hightower, St. Thomas More, Chris Shakespeare at Ascension Catholic. Um, you know, it goes on and on. Uh, you, you got Hank Tierney from Ponchatoula. I mean, it's just a star-studded cast, a wide range all different sizes of divisions and classifications. So it's, yeah, uh, I think we've agreed kind of 7 p.m. Wednesday, we'll drop the show on varsitysportsnow.com. We'll obviously put links like we always do on our social media, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. So, yeah, we're excited about it. You guys did a great job breaking down the brackets, Jimmy, pointing out some really, really, as you said, these first-round matchups are so intriguing you know, especially with some of the things that happened in Division One, some of the things that happened in, in 3A, things really got shuffled around, you know, how that falls out. We're going to live stream a bunch of games. Uh, again, we're finalizing it uh, as we speak, but, uh, you, know, you know, obviously the big one in two weeks, Ascension, Newman, you know, we're, we're uh, I mean, Episcopal and Newman, we're excited about that, but a ton of first-round games, and we'll, we'll release those on social media as soon as everything is confirmed. When you look at the brackets, um, tell me what you see. Uh, you know, I always like the, the, the 16, 17, 15, 18 matchups. Those are the ones that I usually try to get on. But what do you see when you look at the brackets? What are a couple of the matchups that stand out most to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I really like, um, you know, you know I, I obviously are following the VSN affiliates. And um, I think Ascension Catholic, one of your first interviews you did on the show, Jim, with Coach Shake Snyder, this is a team that's dealing with a bunch of, you know, just crap, to be honest with you, off the field involving some, some key players. Since, you know, since that has happened, I've seen this team even come together even, even stronger. And, uh, I mean, starting with the Leonard Twins, um, there are some fantastic players. I think that's really a team to watch. And even I think they got a sixth seed, if, I, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I don't have brackets in front of me. But, um, you know, I'm thinking, you know, Ascension Catholic. Here, I got the brackets right here, actually. But anyway, Ascension Catholic, you know, I'm thinking more like teams that I think, you know, can make, make some noise. And, and uh, you know, we mentioned Episcopal and their undefeated second straight season in district play. Uh, their matchup is a 4-5 with Newman. I think that's just super compelling because, again, Newman is 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 an LCA win away from going, you know, to their first state championship right. last year. You know, with all the Mannings and all the great players and OBJs that they've had, never been to a state championship, and they came, you know, um, a, a loss away from, you know, Lafayette Christian last year from joining it. Now they're, you know, they're in the middle of the pack. So St. Charles Catholic, I know you saw them on the North shore and that defense just shut down teams. Incredible. I mean, yeah. I, you know, and, and again, the, the fact with the, the Wayne Stein and I know, you know, people all over the state are, you know, I don't know if they're tired of hearing it. Everybody in Louisiana has dealt or had, you know, a family member deal with, you know, adversity and recovering from a storm, but St. Charles, I went over there and spoke with their quarterback club week two, maybe week three, 50% of the players, Jim, weren't even living in their own homes at that time. You know, and it's like, 
when you're in high school, I think, you know, that sports, you know, that's, that's something to look forward to. You know, your, your house isn't even livable. You might be living in a trailer. You might be living with relatives, but you're excited as an athlete because you know, man, God, thank God the season's still going. I still get to go to practice. We still get to play team X on Friday night and, uh, or Friday day without the lights or in a visiting field, but at least they're playing. So, um, long-winded, not even a direct answer to your matchup question, but, you know, St. Charles, um, Ascension Catholic, you know, teams that, to, to me, quite intriguing. And everything that unfolds in Division One, right, obviously Brother Martin, St. Paul's first-round matchup, that's a first-round matchup to keep an eye on. Actually, you know, Rummel. Uh, They're playing Rummel. Brother Martin's uh, playing Rummel. Uh, yes, yes, yes. And, um, um, and Jesuit, you know, we had uh, Ryan Manali right. on the show as well, and, and and I think you know they're they're so strong. And he brought up the fact that if they beat Curtis, it's the first time Curtis has ever lost to a team twice in one season. Isn't ever. that amazing? I mean, that that is a, that is an amazing. You think about it. JT's been coaching since 1969, and no team yeah. has ever yep. beat them twice in the same season. The and, stat that blew me away with John dang. Curtis, and I, I'm guessing that it's 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 been snapped since. But back when we were doing heavy Rupert Parish football, you know, from probably 2010 to 2020, you know, the stat was Curtis had not lost a back-to-back game since 1975. Right, right. That I had to go look that one up not stunning. too long ago. Yeah, that was stunning to me. So you know, when I saw. You know, just as a fan, you know, my full disclosure, my daughter dating a member of the Brother Martin football team. That's weird to say out loud. But um, I went to the game Saturday. I sent you and Lon a picture from the game. I was just sitting in the stands watching the game. And um, I was thoroughly impressed with both sides of the ball with Brother Martin. I did not know they were that good. And I was stunned that they were able to shut down John Curtis offensively and and look, I have a, a huge amount of respect for the the, the Curtis program. I, I love those guys, you know, from my days at ABC 26, working with JT. And, um, you know, my daughter went to school at St. Saint Matthew, which is right next door to Curtis, you know, since she was in pre-K3 and we'd see him in practice and, you know, Coach Godfrey, uh, softball, all that, you know, it's like, you know, anyway, um, I've never seen a Curtis team uh, shut down like that offensively and just not have a flow. And, all those years of prodding themselves on tremendous special teams, their special teams didn't, you know, didn't shine. And, um, you know, you know, they'll write the ship. And, you know, that was just one small sample that I saw, but that was jaw dropping to me to see brother Martin handle Curtis like they did last week. Yeah. It's been a while since I think I would say that the 11 seed, well, you're, you're, there's 12 seeds in division one and brother Martin's the 11 seed and they have to they be wrong. They have to be considered. They have to be considered the favorite in Division One. And I have Ed Daniels on actually uh, as as well today. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. You're gonna uh, talk about that one. His alma mater sure. for sure. And you know what? I was thinking St. Paul's because I think you guys told me that's who they might play. And that's and right, it, and right. And they actually jumped up last minute to five seed, so they yeah, they get they it. get a, a bye. But um, you know, just. Before we let you go, I want you to talk about all the great. I mean, we've we've gone over them, but tell me a couple of the highlights uh, and the things that people need. Why they need to go to VSN? Why it's worth? I know why it's worth nine ninety nine a month. I mean, to me, it's the it's the biggest bargain in the state of Louisiana with all that you get. Like I said, even if you're just a casual prop fan and you like to watch your alma mater every now and then, or you want to see what's going on and 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 other other things. I mean, we're covering every sport. 
um, at some point in the season. And now obviously with football getting big, because I know with Jim and I, and I know other people do this too. If you're, if you're just casually at another game, you can listen to us because I'm not only just talk, doing play-by-play -play for the game that we're doing, which is obviously going to be a big game, but we're talking about what's going on everywhere during our game because we got all the feeds going on of what's going on and yeah. giving people updates. But just tell everybody a little bit about why VSN is, is worth the $9.99 a month. Here's, here's a good reason why, and I'll go back to the Brother Martin game that I took my daughter and her friend to uh, this, past, this past Saturday. Uh, it was $30 to get in. Right, ten dollars, ten dollars a person. You know, my you know, for two two freshmen in high school, ten bucks, ten bucks, me, ten bucks. So for ten bucks, basically, you can watch the game of your choice. If you can't make it to that game, bad weather, or you're working, or you can send it to your grandparents that are in a different state. But you can watch, like you said, you can watch all. You, you know, there there'll, there'll be at least seven games we have Friday. You know, you can open it like like I do on Friday. I have browsers open to cut highlights on my computer, and you can go back and watch. The on-demand is something you mentioned before. You can, you know, if you, you know, you're at a game, and, you know, you're thoroughly involved in the game you're at on Friday. Tomorrow, you can, you know, you heard about that wild St. Thomas Moore, East St. John game, 62 to 60. Well, here, just flip it on. There's the whole game, instant classic, right at your fingertips because – you know, if you get a subscription, which you can cancel at any time for $9.99 for a month, you can just feast yourself on playoff football. Oh, yeah, by the way, we're doing state cross country next Monday and Tuesday from Natchitoches. That's two days worth of coverage that we just got out of a production meeting. We're going to have a crew at the starting line. We're going to have a crew that can get the one-mile split, the two-mile split, and then everything inside the stadium once they the runners get inside. So, you know, we don't get a lot of state championships, but the ones we do, you know, we take huge pride in and we're going to, you know, bust it. So the cross country community can rest assured that Saturday and Sunday or uh, next Monday, Tuesday, we're going to we're going to have all 14 of your races, no matter boys, girls, class C, all the way up to 5A. So there's another thing we're going to do, um, you know, your bracket show with you and Lon tomorrow, you know, Wednesday night. We're also going to have... Um, uh, a couple of what we call them playoff game day shows, kind of like a 30-minute preview show where we're going to throw to to you and Jim on the North Shore and, and Lon and Paul Boron during the Newman game in Episcopal and basically take you around like a pregame show. You know, what's the scene like, you know, there at uh, you know, Lakeshore? What's the scene like at Newman? So that's kind of the, the plans that we have, but certainly it's worth $9.99. And, um, you know, just, just know that our crew is going to bust it, do the best job that we can, and uh, continue to build our content and give you more reasons why your $9.99 is worth it. Breaking news. I'm, I'm going to be doing something that I didn't know I was going to be doing. That's the way you break this news to me on the podcast. <laughs> Is what? what? It's tell, what? telling me right here that we're going to be doing around, around, the, uh, around the, <laughs> the state. Jim Rapier and I, I love yeah, it. I didn't know that was breaking news. I love it. I love it. I love yeah, breaking we're gonna, news. I can do it all four rounds. We're going to do two. So not we're going to do it like the second round. 
and we're going to do it semi-finally. Oh, I think we should just keep doing it. I, I, I like that, actually. I think it's, yeah. it's great. The only reason we can't do it this Friday is because I'll be in Lafayette with wrapped up in state volleyball. I got I'm you. But to- one thing people should know, too, is even though we're not doing the state championship games, which are going to be – they'll be easy to find if you, if you don't want to go to the Dome, but I highly suggest – I mean, the dome is worth the price to me. I love uh, the the dome weekend, and then obviously the the select schools are going to be playing all over the place. I think Division One's at Yulman Stadium. There's a couple of them at La- in Lafayette, so um, we'll figure that out. But we do have playoff football running through the semifinals here on VSN. And so when if my North Shore teams are done, uh, last year uh, Buddy Turnage and I did a game. We drove to Church Point. We did uh, Church Point and Madison Prep. Right. What a game that was. Uh, and That's then awesome. Madison Prep went on and on. So, look, the VSN crew is working through the semifinals, and we will be out there at different sites covering playoff football for you until the, until the early December. Absolutely. No, we, and it's, again, obviously with you and Lon, I mean, this is what we love to do. So it's a, it's a hashtag labor of love, you know. That's, That's right. Cliche. But, um, you know, we're thrilled to do it, and we, you know, pride ourselves in making all of our games not an iPad on a court. Yep. And uh, no announcers that, you know, the camera just stays. You know, we're going to have multiple cameras. We're going to have announcers. We're going to have replays. We're going to have graphics. We're going to treat it like it's a TV game because these kids will have these games forever, you know, to show their kids. And, uh, you know, when they get a touchdown to have Jim Derry, you know, say, kiss, eh, 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 you know, that's they're going to remember that forever. So that's awesome. Uh, just try to – it's all about the kids. Everything we do is about the kids. And I'm, I'm dead serious about that, but – who knows? Maybe I'll even talk you into. Um, we can't do video for, for state championship games. Maybe we'll pick one or two and, and do uh, an audio thing like we did before. That was that was a lot of fun with Lon. We'll see how no that doubt. works out. By, no doubt. We're, we're completely. We are so multimedia at VSN. We can do it all any way we want to do. Eric Ritchie, founder and CEO of Varsity Sports. Now, thank you so much for joining the Datitude Podcast. Hey, absolutely thrilled to have, uh, thrilled to be on with you and uh, just continued success, man. I'm happy for you. But like I said, we, we, we always need some Jim Berry on VSN. So, so don't, don't keep nailing these bets and have all these betters say they got to have Jim Derry exclusively. We need, we need some Jim Derry on VSN for all of our sports. Well, I think it's been amazing that VSN has survived even with me here. And <laughs> I have not destroyed this company yet. And hopefully it'll still be around for, until I'm ready to say that's enough for the microphone, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 years from now. We'll see how it goes. All right, Eric. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, right, Thank you, buddy. And again, you can check that out tonight. I believe they were going to put it up at 7 p.m. on VSN. Well, look, we've taken up enough longest show in Datitude history, right? Why not? For a Blackjack, episode 21. Hey, um, I didn't intend for it to be that long, but look, people... We had some great interviews, and I'm not going to stop people from talking when they got a lot of great things to say, and that's what we had today. We'll have some more good things to say on Friday when we have Conductor Dave and Uncle Big Nick coming on the show to make our weekly picks, and I finally, finally, finally beat Conductor Dave in a week. It had been quite a few weeks since I had been able to do that, so we're inching up. We're getting back to where we want to get. Don't forget about our shows on bet.nola.com. We have on Monday, we have Odds and Ends, where we wrap up the weekend before. On Tuesdays, it is Zach Ewing and Spencer the Guru Urquhart talking about the fantasy world. And then on Thursday, this is going to be a special Thursday. We have not only this Thursday do we have the Cashing In with Carville segment on 
are at the book show. But on Thursday night, live from Mannings, we are going to have a sports betting 101 show that I'm really looking forward to doing. Um, if you would like to uh, check in and try to figure out how to get tickets, you can buy tickets on bet.nola.com or you can register to get a free ticket. Um, and they will be serving food there at Manning's. It's going to be a fun night. And then I think a few of us are going to walk over and check out the new sports book at Harris. So come over on over and say hello. You can find out how to get your ticket on bet.nola.com. And if you can't get a ticket, you can always go eat at Manning's on Thursday night. The show, I think, is going to begin at 6 o'clock. And again, uh, Jeff Duncan, Rod Walker will be a part of it, Devin Jackson, Zach Ewing, uh, some people from Harris. And uh, we're all going to go, well, not all of us, but some of us are going to go walk over to the book after. Would love to meet you. Come by and say hello. But again, hey, we still got Friday, too. We got all the picks. You got to come back for that. If we don't see you on Thursday, we'll see you on Friday for Datitude. This wraps up episode number 21. want to thank you all so much for being a part of this show this long, whether you started with episode one or you just started today. We say peace and love, my friends. See you on Friday.